So yeah, so I get on the road here botching the intro of uh, yeah. Live Off Borrowed Time, the most punctual podcast in uh, in the world. Correct. In the internet. So, so this is Living Off Borrowed Time, the most punctual podcast on the internet. Uh, last time we joined you with a podcast that was a year late, and now we're joining you with a podcast that's only six months late um, from when I last brought, when I last announced it. Uh, those uh, frequent listeners who remember the Roots episode, oh, I'm sorry, the uh, Cheat Code episode, Cheat Codes episode, I'm doing great with this already, I announced that there would be a Backwoods, uh, a Backwoods Studios episode with a um, frequent, uh, frequent guest thought foul, and that was in October, and now we're in March. And it kind of really worked out serendipitously because since that episode was announced, they've dropped even more stuff that kind of gave us even more to talk about. So, Thought Val, welcome back. Last thank you, time thank you. you. There, we discussed Mr. MFing Esquire. And mm-hmm. uh, kind of going to be a bit of a tonal shift on this one from uh, the horniest rapper of all time to uh, yeah. Ethiopes. <laughs> and <scary>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I suppose Sketch and Esquire have something in common, which is alcohol. <laughs> um, right. But beyond that, and they're also really, really good projects. So I actually think that mm-hmm. uh, Esquire probably—I mean—has he shown up on any in their circle at all? Uh, the closest I can think of is like crossover, but yeah, it's so. more like he'll be on like an AJ Swade project, which is like a Wrecking Crew affiliate, which is an affi- you know their affiliates with Backwoods. So it's like. Right. There's say, almost kind of some kind of connection. That, that there's been such a ripple effect from what Backwoods has done over the past year, but really since their inception. Um, but I don't think he's directly shown up. But yeah, you were on the x episode, obviously. One of my favorite episodes, our Rock Marcy episode. Mm-hmm. Um, again, another rapper with incredible influence who has shown up with Billy Woods before. So yep. and, um, something that we won't touch on that did show up in their year was... Um, the History Will Absolve Me 10th Anniversary Reissue. Mm. With, by the way, if any listeners want to show their appreciation for our podcast as it approaches the um, 100th episode, a great gift to give me would be <laughs> Absolve Me uh, issue with the um, essay book. That would be mm. a really nice thing to buy me. I will give you my address if you don't abuse it, and uh, please send me that. Um, yeah. Gifts will be ex- – I, I, I accept grift. I accept graft on this yeah. podcast. Uh, no one has actually done any of the t-shirts I've solicited. 
So gifts, come on, cough it up, fucking cough it up. We're yeah. not doing the Patreon. So that was very hard to get. Um, I, I know you were able to score one of the um, church issues with the lyric sheet. We will be consulting the lyric sheet when we talk about yep. church. Uh, there were only, I believe, 100 of the History Will Absolve Me reissues oh, with well. that uh, essay book. I have not seen yep. it. I'm really curious as to what Billy wrote about that and his process there. It looks like a really beautiful issue, but we won't be talking you, about that. We'll only talk. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to ask, do you know what the, what the book is called? Because I feel like there was some book being sold at the merch table when I was at the, spoiler alert, at the Arm and Hammer show. Shit. It might be on Discogs. Yeah. Um, I think it's on Discogs for some absurd, it might be on Discogs for some absurd-ass price. Like, yeah, probably. Uh, I'll look it up later. We're not going to make a great radio yes, right thumb through stuff but that i believe is the only thing that they released this year that we won't on um, the past year that we won't be taught there was one of kai solo single i think is just the single off the album i think it's an album track that was released um mm-hmm. other than that we'll be covering everything they released in 2022 through to the sketch album in 2023 past month uh he the swim back plus as well the cult favorite reissue not on backwoods but i think very relevant to their mm-hmm. output and um i don't believe well, White Label was on Backwoods, technically, and none of us are supposed to have it, really. <laughs> Unless no. they're shit. But yeah. I kind of think they knew it was going to get out there, and when we talk about it, I feel like it's part of their whole plan. Like, There's no yeah. way they did not that was going to leak out, and given what they put on that record, I think it was kind of part of their... It was kind of them laying a blueprint, as it were, for like a taster. Because given the songs yep. on there, it was like breadcrumbs for what was coming out for the year. Mm-hmm. So... Before we start, anything you want to say about the label, the experience with Billy, Lucid, the artists, going into things? Any kind of um, well, I suppose like in terms of my introduction, I think the first time I actually heard Billy Woods would have been on um, the Vaudal Mega album, Mega Graffiti. Um, he's on like a bunch of songs on that, um, including one where he rhymes over an LP beat. Um, so, and then I think somehow I stumbled onto Cult Favorite in like 20 it might have been 2012 or 13 and that was like my introduction to a lizard you were really ahead of the curve on that i mean i got into woods um i'm sure i covered this on one of the armand episodes uh via passion of the weiss zilla rock is excellent write-up uh it was either zilla rock or a small pro i forgot one time probably zilla Mm -hmm. started writing for them before pro did about uh dower candy um Mm. That hooked me because I try. Um, well, actually, no, I think they wrote about history. Of, somebody wrote, it was either uh, Weiss or Zilla wrote about history of what was all. I mean, went over my head because I'm a fucking moron. I'm sure yeah. I listened to Marciano and was like, this guy sounds like Raekwon. He's boring. Right. And then yeah, yeah. He, says the guy who thought that Ka sounded like off brand DMX on Pro Tools. <laughs> yeah. I've never let my, live, myself live that down. Um, so history of what was went over my head, but then Dower Candy did not because they wrote mm. that up. Like, I know this is a second chance, and I love Blockhead out the gate. So, obviously, Dower Candy really resonated with me. And then from then on out, just was hooked on Woods. Mm. Uh, cult favorite, I have another shitty review of, um, speaking of my off-brand DMX comment. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, I gave it a positive write-up, but I said the instrumentals lacked character, which is bullshit. Uh, right. I do not have character. Um, I, I need to revise that review badly. I was not up on cult favorite until years after the fact, like mm. a lot of stuff. Um, but I do think, I mean, well, okay, we'll get to the call favor stuff at the very end, but yeah, yeah. uh, Woods, I, obviously, I, 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 my history with Woods, I think it's been covered extensively in the Armand episodes. So basically I think going into this year, pretty much 
my favorite rapper, and along with Wrecking Crew and uh, Makami, God Fahim, Yoro Droog, uh, Dunk God, Your New Religion, whatever collective you want to call them, probably my favorite collective going, those three. Mm. So, but this year, I think, has really elevated them to new level. Like, I feel like if you look at our year-end episodes, pretty much every year has had something by Billy Woods in it. And this past year, you could make, like, as, as we go through this episode, there's, like, five contenders for something you can put in the year end involving yeah. Billy. Um, I had church as my honorable mentions, like best honorable mention. And by the time I got done this episode, I'm like, I could have probably, I think it's almost Ethiopia's equal. Like there's mm-hmm. a bit of spoiler right there. I've, my estimation of that has gone from a nine to, I probably 10 out of 10, five stars say it's, it's equal. I know um previous guest, Makami expert. He hates me calling him that um, King Aaron horns, whatever, uh, thinks is better than Ethiopes. He's the only one I know who holds that opinion, but I'm getting there with that, actually. Mm-hmm. I really am. Um, but we'll talk about that when we talk about that. So, yeah. enough preamble. Uh, they started the year with, um, from an album from the last year, speaking of Wrecking Crew, Premrock put out uh, Load Bearing Crow's Feet on Backwoods, and they started the year with the bon- with the uh, deluxe edition of that, which had the single Bardo, which featured Billy mm-hmm. Woods as the bonus track at the very end. And that's an excellent album, uh, but beyond the purview of the podcast to cover that, sorry to be long enough, but I think this single might just be better than anything on, and that's why they chose to start the mm-hmm. year with it, is just yep. kind of a statement. I mean, also considering the Shrapnel album was going to come out, so yeah. intentional, everything. Um, I was listening to Call Out Culture, the podcast about the Shrapnel, I didn't get very far in it, unfortunately. I was looking for, I thought they did one on the Elucid uh on Bessie. They did not do a liner notes on that, but they did. So I ended up kind of listening to the shrapnel one a little bit. And Curly was talking mm-hmm. about how they have a secret, they had a secret plan where after the previous shrapnel album, the pro- solo projects were intended to be like sister, like both companions to that and sister products to each other. And there was always a secret plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is all, this was the beginning of the quote unquote secret plan. I don't know for the year. Yeah. And for everything, for like, you know, laying out Wrecking Crew's year and also for Stalking Horse for the Shrapnel album and for Billy's work mm. as well. All the themes, mm. the recurring motifs for the year and everything, which would be a lot of spoiler alert. They're talking about death. Like, yeah. I mean, it's in there in the title. Like, mortality. Yeah. I mean, it's in the title of fucking Prem's album too. Like, it's the recurring, but just everything about it. Like, no disrespect to Prem though. He gets washed here. Billy, don't. There are two. There are two rappers at least you don't invite on your album unless you're just gonna just forfeit forfeit your album. And those are Def C and Billy Woods. Correct. Yeah. Even if you're Prem Rock. Sorry. Yeah. And this Billy album. I mean, I'm sorry. This Billy verse. The narrative details. The story of the death of a relationship. It somehow blows it up to just. You could extrapolate so much out of this. The de- the little details become just crushing the accumulation yeah. over the course of this verse. The thing about yes. five guys. Or just kicks you in the balls. Yeah, it's, it's it's like really gripping. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, "Holy shit!" But um, yeah, I, I just love as well like how there's kind of the the turn at the end where um the the ex girlfriend says something like um I listened to your music, I didn't get it. Are any of your f- friends black? And then he says, "It's my turn to laugh." And then he basically waves. Like I just felt like that was like just a really amazing ending to such an incredible song and then he yeah goes to the strip club and says he's tipping strippers because he's cheap or whatever it's just like yeah the detail of just like this one 
particular evening where he's been reunited with his ex-girlfriend it's just like it's really incredible um that's yeah you're right such an amazing way to, to start the year um and also need to also big up evidence for that beat because that beat is an absolute monster and evidence is like very underrated behind the boards so i was really glad to see that there was like that connection there with evidence you know helping out wrecking crew and by extension backwards yeah, Evidence is somebody that I'm not super into as an MC, but I think he's a great producer. I mean, like, he's fine as an MC. Like, I've, I've liked some Evidence versus. I mean, I, I'm, like, in the middle on him as an MC. Like, I, I don't strongly dislike anything he's really done, but I think as a producer, he's uniformly very good, and that's probably my favorite beat of his. That beat's really emotive and really appropriate for it. I think that the hook, such as it is, is great out of Prem. I think Prem's really underrated. Well, I mean, Prem's underrated in everything. Like, I mentioned Prem, yeah. they're like, like. Oh, that's the problem. Like, mm. is I feel like even in terms of Shrap now, like I think he's known more as a group artist in that way. Like that got him some notoriety, but mm. I think necessarily as a solo artist, people were checking for him even after that. So. Yeah, I mean his 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 hook on the song is incredible too. Yeah, I think that's part of. I mean, I'll get to this when we talk about Shrap now. Um, Shrapnel. I don't know how. You, how should we pronounce that, by the way? I, like I, I say it's shrapnel, but yeah, I guess overall is fine. Right? But like, I don't know if you're supposed to like put in. And I was just listening to the fucking podcast about it, too. I should have how they're pronouncing the name of their own group. Um, but I feel like that's part of the contrast that really makes him and Curly work together is like, aside from the, the relaxed flow versus Curly's more immediate flow, is that Prem has the melodic sensibility that he can deliver a hook versus Curly, who just really attacks everything. So, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. They kept this in the pocket for a good reason. I think they could have obviously, I, I don't know when this was recorded. I don't think it was recorded, yet, but I think there was a purpose to saving this for the beginning of the year. Like, Absolutely. So, so yeah, we move five on. Out of five, five out of five songs, basically. Let's leave it oh, at that. <laughs> worth buying, if you were going to buy the digital version of this for whatever reason and you have like a few extra dollars, it's worth buying the CD. I mean, it's worth buying the CD anyway. It's worth buying the CD to have this issue. To have, yeah. It's worth buying that issue to have this song. So, mm-hmm. moving on from there, we have uh, Dunce Cap and Hajino. Another thing I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing properly. Uh, do- go Climb a Tree. Um, I own this because I like the shirt that came with it. A shirt I'm not yeah. allowed to wear <laughs> because my wife finds the back of it obscene. Um, I'm allowed to wear yeah. it around the house, uh, but that's about it. Nice. It's cool shirt, though. I mean, um, another yeah. callback to the previous episode is... Uh, and backwoods merch upsetting my wife would be the haram cover but that upset a lot of people as it should have um right but off the pigs so uh-huh. anyway so i actually own so i owned this album for a while and didn't really listen to it because i just liked the shirt and i'm like you know i paid for the shirt and i didn't really have any interest in listening to a Dunscap album i don't know why like i don't know if i'd heard him before this it was just like i think i got him confused with doof be honest with you like oh, MC, and it was just like i'm sure he's cool like he's on backwoods i'm sure he's not bad but then yeah. in research the episode i'm like i should probably listen to this album i paid money for right i mean i paid money for the shirt yeah. but I had the album and very yeah. good very good album like honestly yeah. like easy to mm-hmm. put in the bucket of like a quirky mc like darko paul barman type thing but what i get out of this is hellfire club era type thing um yeah. like mike eagle bus driver milo not rap ferrara key difference uh in terms of like production there's like a daedalus vibe with the production a little bit i think uh just 
raps that are relatable, but not overwhelmingly beating you over the head with their cleverness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, if I had to think of an analog again, Wrecking Crew, um, Andrew. I know he's not for everybody, but uh, Andrew in uh, sort of like the everyday struggle things. You got like Cha-Ching, reminds me of Check to Check by Mike Eagle in terms of struggles mm-hmm. that anybody who has had to live through financial hardship should be able to relate to. And I think that it was a great choice of a name feature to put Quelle at the very end because I think those two are real kindred spirits. Yes. That's, my, that's the best track on there. And I think. Yeah. I'm looking at it too, actually. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say I, I agree with you on the on the on the, um, on the Quella Chris thing and being on there that made so much sense to, to chuck him on the end because yeah they're both the kind of like I guess uh, like quirky MC maybe sort of in the vein of like maybe would you say there's any like relation with like quasi moto type material or little bit I mean again like there are quasi tracks like mm. um, low class conspiracy uh, MHB Mr Two Face like there's stuff in quasi like quasi albums I think kind of painted as oh he's from outer space he's just this wackadoo dude right. but really if you think about the quasi albums i always thought of them as just like mad lib coping with like his albums by inventing this other persona like analyzed hmm. way to deal with everyday problems like right. they're really just yeah it's not like fan fiction and it's not like you know some sort of cool keith dr octagon situation right. so i don't that like esoteric so much mm-hmm. um yeah i'm not like i don't know yeah. and that sort of thing um if you like that sort of shit i think this album has a lot to offer um his voice isn't a deal breaker in the way something like dark or barman could be for people i think his voice is pretty mm-hmm. easy to take it's not the most yeah, sure. it's not like prem's voice or something where it's super melodic just to come back to something we just talked about but and also i think that it makes I think it's a soft introduction to a lot of the themes. Like, I think it's funny that we start the year with him and end the year with Sketch. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, two very opposite ends of the spectrum. But yeah. they're still kind of talking about the same stuff, like working class struggles, just yeah. from two different spectrum. Yeah, yeah, and it's also it's like it's just another reminder that there's actually a lot of versatility on the backwards label. You know, people probably think it's all just like kind of. Um, you know, like dark social commentary type stuff, which you know we'll, we'll get into later, isn't isn't actually the case. A lot of Arm and Hammer and stuff is quite funny, um, but yeah, this is more that kind of quirky, more maybe more accessible side, um, and you know, with like actually quite pretty instrumentals as well. I don't think I've really heard any um, any of this production before. As, as so, Hajino's the producer, right? I hadn't heard any of their beats before. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard of him at all. He's got a few hmm. beat takes that. Now I need to give us some of that patented borrowed time great radio as my template went off. But but yeah, he had uh go on the tree. Yeah, he has two beat tapes that I've looked into since. Um How I Swing Volume One and Hit from 2021, Hidden Knowledge from 2020, both are excellent. Um both yeah. a little bit different than this. This again, I feel like is closer to um, Riley Lake on Toothpaste Suburb. I think it's close to uh, Bus Driver on Perfect Hair type thing. Just a little mm-hmm. bit like a little bit electronic, but also Project Bloat style. Um, those are a little more on the jazzier end, but still in the same ballpark. So yeah, he's excellent. I recommend checking those out. They're on Bandcamp yeah. and also on Spotify. So. 
definitely look into those. But yeah, I feel like they're not that far off though. Again, like he's kind of the themes of the artists on the label are all the same. It's just the way I feel like everybody is talking about the same issues, the same struggles in the in the macro, but in the micro, they just have completely different ways of approaching them, which keeps it from being like monochrome. And they're all just so good at it and so individual. Like even Billy and Elucid. Like I mean, think about the pairings: Billy and Elucid, Shrapnel. Um, they're what makes them great is their different approaches. Mm. So, and yeah, and Sketch. Like no other label has anybody like Sketch either. No, yep, it's one of one. Also, another thing about this album as well is I've. Um, Features are very well placed. There was like a very good um, Googie verse. Um, I quite like the Akai solo verse as well. It had some interesting um, wordplay that was about like, you know, their references to Earl Sweatshirt and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, all that stuff is really well placed. And also, there's that skit, uh, skit where he calls someone up and he's like, drop some wisdom. Is, is that Billy Woods he's talking to? Do you know? I don't know who he's addressing on that. Because um, he doesn't give a name. Uh, speaking of yeah. words. Uh, the one track, the Broccoli Cheddar Something Bowl track. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head. I could again look at the album, but uh, it's Broccoli Cheddar uh, Broccoli Cheddar, cheddar Bread Bowl. I'm looking at it now. Uh, Birdplay type track in the Count Basie Doom vein, especially like you, that. That took two or three. Like on my second list, and I picked up on a lot more double meanings than on the first. So I think mm-hmm. that uh, another one where. Like there's more going on, but more going on under the surface than just goofiness on some stuff here. Um, but yep. there's also goofiness too. Like again, it's the silliest thing they put out all year, but it's certainly not purely silly. And mm. I think, yeah, I went under the radar. Like looking at the rate, 27 ratings. Yeah, sure. exactly. For sure. Yeah. Also, the shirt's cool. I wish I could wear it more often, but <laughs> uh, kind of looks like dwarfs have dicks on the back, and my wife don't like that. Yeah. So yeah, moving cool. forward. From there, white label. I think is the next one. Uh, white label, yeah. Okay, so white label. This only was available at the European shows, I believe, mm-hmm. and it sold out at the. Yeah, it sounds right. Oh, I believe. Um, so if you have this, I have a kidney for you. Um, which I only have one. Part <laughs> with that one. Uh, so what here showed up on other stuff? Obviously, sardonic. So I was looking at this. Sardonic's uh, artichoke, I think. Artichoke showed up. Um, um, there's, one. there's one more. Uh, windbreaker. The wind, no, not windbreaker. Um, Although windbreaker has the best verse on here, I believe. Windbreaker is nuts. Windbreaker is a top twenty Billy. Uh, Billy. That's a, is that the one when he's talking about having owning a gun, or is that recent? Maybe it's recent at the end. Here's a verse where he's like, I've only owned a gun once. It's like the opening line. And then he's kind of talking about having this gun on I, Shit. I don't know. I really don't want to bring up genius right now. But um, I'm pretty sure yeah. that where he tells a story, a personal story. And I think that's like maybe mm-hmm. he – also, Windbreaker is the beast by Locust, which I don't know even know if I can bring up a credit yes. for him. The thing is, one of the Lo- Locust is Locust is on the um, Wrecking Crew album on um, uh, Sedale 3. He had, one, he had a beat on there. Um, Seb Bash showed up on here, who I was familiar with, and Seb Bash is the only, I believe, and somebody can fact check me on this, the only person who has a tape out on Alchemist label who is an Alchemist. 
Oh, true. Crazy. Yeah. That tape is fucking awesome. It's called like Customs or something. It's a really, really fucking good beat tape. I highly recommend it. Oh, nice. um, and see why. Uh, you have two Earl beats on here? Yeah, yeah, and they're pretty weird. <laughs> uh, I feel like, um, did you find, I don't know if it's because this is a vinyl rip, but do you feel like a lot of these songs are like quite skeletal uh, instrumentally comparative to other Arm & Hammer material? I feel like there's a lot here that, I mean, I made comparisons in my review to like Pepper Tree and uh, um, what was the other one off of Haram? That was super fucking scary. Um not pepper. It was the very end. The uh, re- oh, um, do you mean the um, the one before the the pig references in it um, with Quelle Chris or the other one? Um, oh, like what, the, ch- ch- chicharones, maybe is that chicharones? Chicharones was the Quelle track. That's also another skeleton one. Um, but like, I feel like it has a lot in common with those sort of Armand tracks. Um, yeah. More so than yeah, like I feel like this is generally. Yeah, I feel like the vinyl rip aspect of it has some something to do with that, but I feel like generally it's just like mm. dumping, like, I don't, dumping ground feels pejorative, but I don't want to be pejorative about it. I feel like it's where the weirder stuff went, essentially, which is where, I mean, yeah. everything about it, like, you, like, I'm looking at the art, like, white label, the abbreviate, you know, the uh, abbreviation of the title, the way it was distributed, and again, I feel like they, you know, like, their internet's obviously this is going to get out there and the dissemination of it. Like even some of the titles to TNS, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, um, clever. Uh, this is supposed to be where the dark weird shit goes. And Mm. I think it's better than half measures. I think it's super interesting. There's obviously nothing bad on here. There's nothing better than any Armin record. Um, and there's just stuff here you get that you don't get. You get a mu- fucking Arm & Hammer mugs. I know, yeah. And it's like a very, um, it's surprisingly, it's, it's not that dark of a mug speed. It's more like a, it's quite soulful um, from memory. I'd like to know how that, ha- um, I'd like to know how that happened and why we don't have more with them. Um, yeah. Again, in terms of uh, presaging stuff we're going to see throughout the year, we have Jeff Markey shows up for the first time this year. Yep. Not the obviously yep. um one thing that i didn't get to for this episode which wouldn't again we've been outside the purview of the episode was um fielded is on the marquee song um the fielded album for that yeah i, I that, that's from 2021 though i think i think i did look this up um because yeah again it's another thing that's got like 15 ratings or something and it's probably I, really good and it's on spotify and i meant i've always meant to get to it and i never have it's one of those things. It's sort of like um, soundtracks album with uh, somebody. It's like the only album soundtrack produced in full until uh, the Lupe album last year, which was uh, with some the who the fuck was it? Now I gotta look that up too. Like there are always these weird albums with like side artists that I want to see, and then they come out and I never get to them because Field is mm. always great stuff on the Armin projects, and I and then this happens yeah. and I around to it but halloween fall on a weekend is like it sounds literally like it's the title yeah like in terms of the beat like it's so mm-hmm. autumnal it's so like you can hear the leaves on it and it's absolutely perfectly suited for a lucid too yeah yeah um actually just on the topic of a lucid um so he he opens the um album with uh codex oh, 
Yeah, he opens the album, doesn't he? Oh. And and he, he opens it by saying, "Suck me till I'm dead." And I was thinking about this. Is Elucid on his way to competing with Mr. Motherfucking X Squire in terms of references to getting his dick sucked? Because <laughs> he raps about it a lot. If you pay attention, a lot of ways. Um, you could take it, "Suck me till I'm dead." The that way you can also take it suck me till i'm dead like suck my life force till i'm dead too like just suck right. blood dead yeah which hmm. goes with a lot of the like just death like this is a this is things getting bleak real quick in backwoods land after uh, the dunce cap album yeah. we're going to climb mm-hmm. a tree that tree was full of dead leaves <laughs> that yeah off that shit yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and also another recurring theme we get with the Backwoods albums is strong endings, strong second halves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, strong with like strong everything, but I would say yeah. really strong starts out the gate, challenging middles and strong endings. Yeah. Like in terms of structure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, yeah, this is like 35 minutes. It's pretty dense listen, I think. Um, I just also want to mention as well, Topsy has one of the weirdest August Phenom beats I've heard. I mean, August Phenom, you know, often gets weird, but that one's just, like, full of, like, backmasking and shit. It's just really quite, like, um, just orienting into that one. There's also a very pretty uh, Messiah music beat on this, I think, Saturday, maybe? Um, yeah, quote- but I don't know. Quote myself on my review for Topsy is the beat makes Pepper Tree look like it has uh, commercial potential. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. Pepper Tree, Pepper Tree, not exactly knocking down uh, Dua Lipa on the top 40. So, <laughs> in a perfect world, though, we can dream. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I think the best thing on that, like, yeah, from Halloween Fell on a Weekend to Resin is as good as anything on any Arm and Hammer. Um, and I would say that Artichoke through two TNS Weefy is as weird as anything on any Arm and Hammer. So yeah, weirdest hook as well because you know the way that Elusive like raises the pitch of his voice when he says Weefy as well is like Eunice I don't Weefy? know, quite interesting to hear. Yeah, <laughs> I would um, say if you're listening sorry, going. from something else you might have heard had you not checked this out, it's definitely. Um, I don't know if I made this hacky ass comparison of you, Untitled Unmastered for Arm and Hammer, but. Mm. Different though, because I mean Kendrick did reappropriate, and I'm I'm gonna go to Kendrick again when we talk about Ethia. Oh my god, I can't believe I mispronounced that bad. Let's like saying um uh Kendrick did reappropriate a little bit on his album, but I feel like this was more of a roadmap where they were going for the year um than what Kendrick was doing with Untitled Unmastered, which was more just kind of taking past stuff and recontextualizing. Whereas mm. this more like a roadmap of where they intended to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what can you remember? What track it is where Woods has a line where he's he he says something about kicking his son out for smoking mids or something like that. It's, I shit. Um, is that it's just I don't know? Just a very funny line. It's just a reminder that he says some very funny shit sometimes that no, I think people I, just miss. <laughs> Would I wish I could fucking remember? I want to say it's the Alchemist song, but um, I can't remember. It's either Al- it's, yeah. I, it's either the Alchemist or Monk's track. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, Woods is super funny, and one of the ways I th- one of the reasons I think lo- I love Woods as a rapper is his ad libs too. Like he's got the same mm. ad libs that like Dipset had. Like if you listen to Woods tracks, and this is on Ethiopes too, um, a very very serious album. He will be throwing back at himself. Although he doesn't warn church, he like throws back at himself on ad libs all the time. Same girl, same mm. call he has, where he's just yep. all playing with himself on the ad lib track, like using mm-hmm. that. His own echo chamber, like he, he'll use that to give himself a punchline or an audience. So yeah, I think this this one of the one of the adlibs I, I think on Haram when he's like, no, no, don't do it, don't do it. Like that kind of shit he does every now and then as well. Which yeah, it's, it's pretty funny, even though it's like it's say after something very bleak. Uh, or on church, yeah. uh, I don't know the track off top, but he talks about how he didn't flush the. He didn't flush the haze, and then he's like, "Throw it out the window." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. But, but yeah, yeah um, I, I, I was late to this. It took me a long time to actually listen to White Label. Um, you know, probably just because I just was, well, I don't know, was being a, a, a millennial and not um, using cell when I should have. Um, but yeah, uh, very, very good overall. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad I finally got to it. Um, if you do want to hear the songs that are on the other projects, just do listen to them there because they're in better quality, obviously. Um, but definitely worth checking out regardless. And it's 35 minutes, so it's, you know, yeah, it in and out. I'm, it's also, yeah, like there's certain stuff that is just, I mean, who, you're not going to hear Muggs, uh, Armand anywhere else. I don't believe you. I mean, they've collaborated with Earl. I don't think they have any stuff with Earl Beats elsewhere, right? No, you're wrong. He's got this Earl Beat on. Um, he has the first track on Shrines. Oh, that okay. one. Yeah, you're, that, that's uh, that's an Earl Beat. Okay. And so, did he? Does he have some? Does he have something on Rome? Or maybe I'm imagining that. No, maybe not. But he definitely does have the first track on Shrines. Um, yeah. So, so that's again. It's not the most essential part of the year, but I think. I mean, it's not the most essential in terms of quality, but it's great in terms of it's an eight out of 10. And I think in terms Mm -hmm. of planning out their year, like you have sardonic, you have stuff that shows up on church and on Bessie, on I told Bessie and thematically, I think we got the tracks that show up, they're essential tracks on those albums. They're Mm -hmm. tracks. And I think in terms of this album, they're, I don't want to say fan service because that's like a pejorative term, but it's more like Easter eggs, like mugs, right. and Earl beats, and also another alchem like an alchemist stuff that doesn't show up on the Haram thing. The Haram thing, mm. <laughs> <laughs> fucking like. Uh, there's also breadcrumbs in if you're looking for stuff like the set. Like I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, like. Seeing that Seb Bash is there and Marky is there is kind of like a sort of roadmap to be like, hey, maybe you want to check this stuff out too. Yep. Yep. Like dig deeper. So Yeah, absolutely. Moving yeah. forward there to I don't know if anybody's heard of this one. Um Ethiopes, uh Billy Woods yep. and Preservation. I think it got some press. I don't know. I, I think I talked about it once or twice on the show. Sucks. Don't listen to it. Crap. Yep. Um boring. Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not gonna, I can't even do this fucking bit. <laughs> I, 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 this justice on the year end because I was so exhausted at the end of the year end, and I said I would get to it properly eventually, and mm. I intend to do so. This is, 
I hesitate to say it's the best Billy Woods album, but I think it's his most complete statement. Right. Yeah. Um, what do you think? That's a good question. Just because he's done so much, like, at the very least, solo. And it's harder to compare it to Armand because it's, that's the fucking problem. And I mean, I think ultimately <laughs> the man I was on with this, like, I mean, part of what I want to do with this podcast is give a lot of people their flowers. I mean, like, fucking, want to put some ears on Dunce Cap. Like, that was first and foremost there. Um, Fanon, Messiah, like, I want people to listen to them, like, mm-hmm. give them their appreciation for what they've contributed. But, like, ultimately, going to just yell at people that Billy Woods is the best. Like, uh, pretty much this podcast does this all the time. But, like, if you just look at the body of work, it's very hard to argue I that think stronger fucking body of work than Billy Woods and any, like, authors. Like, I think I said yeah. straight up authors going right now. Like, name an author who has written yep. more trenchant, like, social criticism, fiction, essays, whatever, than this man. Yeah. And then... Just every time I listen to this, I'm bowled over. Like, it's hard for me to listen to this too often mm. because it's so overwhelming. And I said I was going to get back to Kendrick about this. Mm. And I was talking about this. And it's like, I think about To Pimp and Butterfly when I listen to this album because I think they both had similar aims in terms of coming up with something defining that was supposed to be like a social criticism work that was supposed to be weighty and important. But the thing about Kendrick is that he has, I hate to mention this fucking guy, a Kanye sort of thing about like, it's gotta be North, it's gotta be about me. At the end of the day, it's about right. himself. Can't step outside of himself. And he tries to address this on his most recent album and it's boring. The music that comes out of that is pretty boring. Right. I talked about that on the Mr. Morale episode. No need to belabor the point. And Woods is just so goddamn compelling as a writer and the music he chooses to pair it with is just fucking remarkable. Like the producers he works with every time yeah. out come out with something different and compelling to listen to, whether it's Kenny Siegel, preservation, Messiah mm-hmm. music, every time perfectly appropriate for what he's spitting. Yeah. And just, and here like the, from the beginning with Asylum and No Hard Feelings is just grabs you by the throat. And I feel like, I don't know. I, it's very hard for me to discuss the album because I have, it's overwhelming, but I said, I was going to get to the Kendrick thing where I like Kendrick just came up with something that's so overwhelming and weighty that it wants you to think about how overwhelming and weighty it is. This crams so much into 40 minutes. that doesn't feel even like 40 minutes. Whereas the Kendrick album well, has a bit of, I swear I'm going to stop talking very soon. Um, the Kendrick album is yeah. like one of those box, it has that Kamasi, the epic quality where it's like that box set of the show. I've said this before on the show where you have it there to say that you have it. How often do you watch it? This is something you can pull right. out. It's not the fucking PBS masterpiece theater seven part thing that you don't watch. It's the wire. You can pull it out anytime. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think as well, like a big part of that is also because Preservation is such a good producer and like knows how to link songs and everything like that. Like the sequencing of this yeah. album is like really fantastic. 
Um, and like the so when this first got announced, I was like, oh shit, because obviously there's you know previous um, preservation with Skelets, but the last time preservation is on a high album song was with Car with um, Days of Dot Yimlo. And I was kind of expecting this to sound similar instrumentally, but it doesn't sound similar at all. Um, but but this is as much as I do love Days of Dr. Yimlo, this is a much more concise album, and it's just yeah, it's like that. You're right, that that gut punch that just it just hits you every time, and it's you just everything flows so well, and there's like so many different, so much subject matter, um, and also as well like you know people say it's a really depressing album which it generally is but there's also kind of a bit you know songs later on like um Versailles and the song with Shinehead um where it's kind of it shows more of like his um I suppose like maybe dancehall kind of influence as well and it's um there's a song in there where he's kind of rapping about his sister cooking in the kitchen and things like that as well so there are little bits where it, it does kind of let it breathe a little bit, um, which I think really helps too, and, and you know prevents it from just being like too overwhelming. I mean, I think that uh, Versace yeah, reputation for being depressing because what Despot's doing on there is essentially an even more depressing riff on Lupe's "Put You on Game," where he's being a literal mm. despot and talking about how he's going to just destroy you and your family and yeah. like peace it's one of the best desperate verses ever it's put put the hammer uh, to your knees and test your reflexes <laughs> yeah so good like, it breaks it down from like in like visceral level like in the mm. literal medical sense of it like despot is the j electronica we didn't know we needed he's never going to drop an album and that's okay he's just going to mm. show up like incredible verses once every year or two and that's Perfectly fine. That's what J Electronica. Yeah. We don't need any of these J Electronic albums. Stop. Right. J um, did you know J um, uh, I don't know if you follow this. Apparently, Makami and J Electronica and Jay Z did a verse uh, song together recently. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and when Makami was talking about it, he was bitching that they got him the wrong mineral water. <laughs> Yeah, that's, like his that's the most smart comedy thing I've ever heard in my life. That's the most smart comedy thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, someone needs a oh, discourse now. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, amazing. Uh, yeah, just on my, from my most recent listen, um, the Boldy, incredible for Boldy verse, um, Christine, mm. I. One of the themes I noticed on the album is like every single track up into Christine um, is there. One of the things Billy does on all of his verses is, or combinations of verses is he seems to take like a personal, like one of the verses or at least within the verse itself will have like personal details or at least like, you know, details from American life and then contrast them with like Africa, like, you know, historical African details, I would say. I'm phrasing this very mm-hmm. poorly, but think about asylum versus no hard feelings. The way asylum is like historical, like slavery details breaks into like the no hard feelings verse. And then mm. personal, like, and then Christine, he has none of that, but it's like, he kind of takes the, I, the way I think of Billy's writing on this album is like a camera lens focusing out. Like he'll yeah. start on. Well, Chris, Christine to me literally 
literally sounds like you're like slowly driving past a car crash because you know of all the all the details making references to car crashes. Um, but yeah, just the slowly focus is amazing. Out. Yeah, and like mm. the details he gives, and that eventually, well, he doesn't give the you know historical either slavery type detail, like slavery era details, or African like historical details. The lamb phrase in this is so goddamn problematic and shitty, but you know what I mean. And then um, Mike Ladd comes. All he's doing though, he's slowly bringing it back though from like you know surface like not surface level like street level details. He slowly pulls it back more and more like you know details about like the surrounding like system mm. system details, I guess for lack of a better term in the second verse, and that sets the table for Mike Ladd to just slap you across the face with that with those like um more historical detail like the ethiopic detail god i'm doing really bad you know what i mean again you know what i mean but like mike lad <laughs> with yeah. the thematic details the contextual details that the album is providing mm. like wood sets the table and mm. lad pulls the tablecloth i think is the best right way. yeah 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 and yeah and the, the transition into christine into heavy water is yeah so yeah. good yeah, and amazing. I <laughs> like basically Doldra. Like, I feel like there's a three act structure to the album. Like the first mm. five songs, Doldrums, and then you have uh, NYNEX, Nine X, through to uh, Versailles is the second act, and then the third act is like the closing, Proto Evangelicum through Smith and Cross, and Smith and Cross of mm-hmm. it with like the details about like sugar and rum. It's like it's imperialism. Mm. you know like the root mm. of it is yeah. imperialism that ruined everything from the start that's the poison root of the tree yeah yeah so, and then you have i can't even remorseless is just jesus god like the way yeah, he that's an insane song yeah but i feel like these are all themes that to take it back to kendrick like these are stuff he all tried to touch on to pimp a butter into pimp a butterfly but it he took so much longer to do it and so many more people and like made it such more of a grandiose statement to like, look at me, I'm making a statement yeah. type thing. And I'm not trying to shit on mm. butterfly again. It's not the Denzel Curry album. Right. I was trying to shit on it. <laughs> 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 it's a butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. A butterfly, yeah. But, um, I feel like I'm just trying to like, I guess tears of writing, like the Curry album would be at the bottom. And then you have Kendrick there, like mm. Kendrick, great album, but it's still ultimately a surface level statement, or at least uh, look at me making a statement statement. And then you have Woods, who is making a statement that I think is so much more resonant here, that has so much more to it. Mm. And right, I think, man, yeah. I think you need to give people shiny fucking objects, but if you're going to give somebody a Pulitzer, just saying. Right, exactly. I know, I know. I've been, I've been, I've been saying this. I'm saying Billy Woods and Carr both need their fucking bullets. Exactly. Just... Car too. Yeah, the car episode's your next episode. So. More so than, more so than Bob Dylan. Fuck him. <laughs> Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan wrote propaganda songs. It's been, been there you known. go. Shout out Mike Watt. But <laughs> yeah, uh, just another another thing I want to detail I want to touch on this is just how well placed the features are and like. I, th- I think he Woods has a, a way of like picking features that probably sound like they wouldn't necessarily work on paper, but they do. Like, yeah, like uh, Baldy James is like, you know, I, I, I want to have a, a better way of saying this, but he's kind of like 
like the the maybe the more the more thinking man's rapper of the Griselda roster, right? So it makes more sense. But even so, it's like pretty pretty wild that he's on here, and it just works so well. It's like the perfect intro to the song. Um, and he also got he also got Breezy Bruin and LP back on a song together yeah. for the first time so long. That's like, that that's our quality of getting like Billy Woods yep. and um, Little Ugly Man on a song, right? Like same type <laughs> of thing. Yeah, yeah. And as far as Boldy goes. I think Boldy has that quality of like rock where it's like he does one thing, but he does it with such surgical precision. You put him on the track. He's going to fucking deliver that performance to such a level that it's exactly mm-hmm. what is needed. Mm-hmm. Boldy. Yeah. I'd say aside from Woods, Boldy had the best 2022 in terms of just like mm. slugging up like hundred, like, I don't know, pick a sports metaphor. I'm not yeah. Kale. I don't watch sports, but uh, ask him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, Bald- Baldy's been on fire for sure. He's he's killing it. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't really, you know, enough ink has been spilled on the album. I tried to, I spoke very poorly about the themes in a way that's probably gonna make me look bad. But in, you know, you know what I mean in terms of just like trying to like tie together the macro and the micro, the personal, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron very astutely pointed out to me that um, all the samples on this come from a film called Congi's Revenge from 1970. Uh, okay, makes sense. Yeah, which I've not watched, but um, I'm sure uh, I should have watched if I wanted to speak more intelligently about the album. Right. Uh, I mean, I, preservation is really good at doing that too. It's like you know the whole Dot the Yen Lo thing, where it's all from that same uh, right. Manchurian candidate um, film. Not not the instruments themselves, but like the, the the samples in between. He's he's really good at like sticking with that theme, and and also um, uh, what's it? Uh, Eastern medicine, Western illness, similar right. thing, where it's all from that one source, like records all that he's the, bought uh, I think in Hong Kong. All of his beat tapes, uh, nineteen seventy four. I mean, they're not all from, like nineteen seventy four. Everything on that, I believe, is from. 1974 including the stuff that seems like it's commenting on the modern day which is super mm. clever. um every yeah he has every year he puts out the charity beat tapes uh bdps um, everything stays on theme um so he's very very good about that um there was another point i was going to make that i forget typical um yeah uh what are your feelings on uh, real quick harlem that's the deal breaker for people the beat switch the sharif first oh. Uh, I don't mind it. I think that it's thematically justified by the way everything builds from 9X and YNEX onward. Yeah. Um, I it, honestly, the one thing I um, I think that I say this in my review, but up today, uh, the only thing that I think I would change is I would find somewhere else. I don't know where for Proto Evangelicum to go, just because I think if you go from Versailles to Remorseless. You have Despot's verse into Woods' verse, and I think if you have that Despot verse into what Woods is saying on Proto um, on Remorseless, that's really the statement of the album, the thesis of the album together. But I don't know where you put Proto Evangelicum. Evangelicum. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love I love white people with that jarring break. I I had no problem. That's great, and I I I mean, Fatboy Sharif is a very interesting rapper to me. He's like such a 
such an original style. I, I've said this before. He's like the ODB of, of the backwards hands in, in a weird way. Um, you know, that's probably quite surface level, but yeah, I don't know. He's just got a very, and I love the whole, the cookie jar, like, you know, <laughs> like when he says at the end, it's just such a, I think it's great. I think it's a great placement. I always think of those kind of like weird features as, as like maybe not so much features, but like interludes, you know, like they're, they're, they're you go into that artist's world for that, brief period of time to to link into the next song um but yeah i love it i love the whole piano break it's 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 awesome (laughs) i mean i think it's interesting that well first of all okay what's interesting is looking at the score i mean this is who could care looking at the fucking rym scores on this it's actually above the doldrums i don't know how the doldrums is under a four by the Mm. way that's fucking that gets the charles bronson face first of all that's fucking you um second of all it'll be because the doldrums too minimalistic that's what it would be people will be like it's too minimalistic so therefore it's boring that's that would be the reasoning must Mm. missing the point um but i think that uh fat boy sharif is interesting to me in that he falls into not that you can put any of these people into a bucket i suppose you said odb i get like the bruiser wolf quality to him a little yep. bit like yep. and i think that definitely just you build up this tension this tension this tension from basically and N- nynex all the way through to the end of woods is verse literally quite literally on the instrumental it breaks you know cookie dough all that like, yeah 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 I, I know i feel like it was it was the right man for the job you know like the, the song gets really weird and they they put one of the weirdest rappers currently out doing it to, to, you know, embellish it. But I think Bruiser Wolf would be too funny. Like you need somebody. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do it. Like, whereas, I mean, Bruiser Wolf has gravity on his own album, but I think he, I think he would have been too, like if he's helping on it, that might've been too much of a thematic break. So, yeah. I, and, and also like, um, fat boy Sharif isn't just like some goofy rapper dude. He's like, there is actually lots of content in his lyrics and he does make lots of historical references as yeah. well. So he is definitely the right, you know, he, he has more in common with woods than, um, Bruiser Wolf does. Perhaps. Bruiser Wolf has nothing in common with that. <laughs> right. True. Yeah. Like there's the only two <laughs> in quote unquote in common. With, so, right. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, can't wait for the Danny Brown JPEG album, by the way, which I hope, I mean, we will eventually get, I assume we're going to get to hear Bruiser Wolf and Peggy on a track together, which should be a treat. Um, mm, it would be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, what do you think of nine? Is it nine X or N Y E X? I don't know how to, I, how to pronounce I it. Said the course of talking about this. Uh, I mean, I assumed it was N Y N E at like New York, something exchange. Like okay. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's great. Um, who do you think is the best on that track? I mean, obviously, I think it's great. But who do you think, like, when, like, I mean, as so much as anyone can win a track on this, who do you think is... Yeah, that's, that's really track? tough. I, I do really like Quelle's verse, but also... Yeah, that's too tough. I, I can't call that. I think everyone's quite neck and neck. Maybe Denmark Vesey is probably a bit lower on the list, but yeah, he's still great on it. A little bit... Uh, low i mean no jeff bush a little low energy compared to the rest just <laughs> so outsized on that and he's just kind of not he's kind he, of in the middle right like he's just yeah yeah, mm. yeah. that one though um i think if that one's most important for how it kind of tonally changed well doldrums i would say like kind of ends the first like i said i think there's a definite three act structure mm. to the album and I feel like that ends the first act. Um, Doldrums definitely ends the first act. That definitely starts the second. Yeah. Oh. 
like one of the things I think is most impressive about the album, and that's true of a lot of my favorite albums, same as Mad Villainy, same as Triple X, is that like it has so many like structures within itself. Like it works as one whole piece, it works as like many little pieces. Like the first two tracks work together as a suite. The last three work together as a suite. It has three acts together, like within the songs themselves, like within Wood's own verses. Just mm. the way the writing is is so intricate. Mm. Yeah. Just can't say enough good shit about. It. Oh, um, the other thing was um, I gotta bring up Aaron's fucking thing. In addition to pointing out that it's the uh, Kongi's uh, the the film, he also said the paint uh, the cover art is also appropriate mm. as a sample and or appropriation. Uh, it's a painting, I believe. By is it a Rembrandt or? Oh, okay, the next suits. Oh, fuck. Um, okay. We're, we're just not going to do that either. But, um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to, again, I'm trying, uh, New Year's Revolution, not going to spend large parts of the podcast looking things up while people stand there awkwardly. So, you do your own research. <laughs> but, yeah, great fucking album. If you haven't heard yeah. it, you can't listen to the podcast. Uh, my album of the year for last year. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for sure. Um, although, again, Church creeping up on it. We'll talk about it when we talk about Church. Just, I feel like they were intended as companion albums, and I think that the only thing that stopped Woods from dropping them both at the same time, or as a double album, or as a like you know stream trolling type content dub thing, was that he wanted people to absorb this before they got that. Yep. Yep. And I'm glad that he did because otherwise exactly. I would be too overwhelmed. I'm still <laughs> both. I'll be absorbing them for years. Yep. Yeah. All right. Totally. Move. Yeah, again, you're right. I can't say enough good things about the album, and it's it's also the kind of album that I, I just yeah I sometimes can't really put into words. I just feel like I'm not qualified to really talk about a lot of the lot of the content and stuff. It's just it's yeah, just amazing. <laughs> put it that way. Oh, I um speaking of like again, like I feel like I'm about to wrap it up, and I always have one more thing to say. I think that what uh, mm. Preservation does on Deep Water with uh, I feel like he made a conscious effort to mimic. Uh, fantastic damage era LP for LPs parts on that and that is mm-hmm. super cool it feels yeah. not at all icky and it like the way again like they go from 9x and I gotta stop fucking not deciding how to pronounce that um, but like the rap the way the, the structure again is so brilliant like builds up to LP coming in and then naturally to him doing that with the instrumental where it's like comes into like something that's like mimicking fantastic damage era for him like it's mm-hmm. like not the right car- but it does not feel like a fucking weird gimmicky like game album thing where it's like okay now <laughs> yeah yeah like it's the I'm- LP feature yeah yes the LP <laughs> now now I'm picturing game trying to rap like LP <laughs> Oh dear. That, that yeah, it's also, oh man, it's just so good to hear Alpin on RTJ songs. <laughs> like when he was on the um that song on um that Drug album with you know Black Thought and Mark Holby and Fahim, it was just I don't know. This is something really it's a real novelty of hearing him on non RTG beats. Yeah, I thought that one took me a second too. Um, first of all, because the beat is super weird and janky, like and not even barely even there. But, uh, the idea, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and almost willfully annoying, which is one of the most droop things you could possibly do, is like I got Black Thought and LP on a song together, and I came up with this nothing ass beat. Like fuck you for liking, like. <laughs> <laughs> but but then if you like listen to the actual like, I don't know that one was like 
one of the things about crew toy i don't know if i got to this when we talked about crew toy it was my album of the year 2020 um so i don't know but it was also at the end of the very 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 long episode um mm-hmm. so was that it has that quality of a great album where the last third of it kind of trails off like supreme clientele right so but supreme clientele in that way was like in that late 90s early 2000s way where it was like a bunch of skits and stuff yeah. where you gotta fill up you gotta fill up the whole cd right so you have shit like clyde smith and all that kind of thing going on. Who, well who like would if, you fuck yes <laughs> who would you fuck which was like mm. i don't know and where's the which are the bass head <laughs> weird guilt <laughs> i don't know but like but it had that great album quality where it's like the more you listen to it the less it annoys you and the, right that's, that's eventually where I fell on with Pravda as a song where it was like, I started to actually appreciate the way those verses played off each other and the beat mm. stopped playing me. Cause mm. for a while I was just like, why is Fahim on this? Like more so yeah. than with a lot of stuff where it's like, you know, okay, mocks here. So I guess you get Fahim for free with your mock feature. Like it's like a coupon, but, um, <laughs> But then, but then, like, so I don't know. It, it grew on me, but I understand how that could be. Like, uh, I, I can understand how that would be underwhelming for people. I don't know if you've ever gotten um, thought. I mean, I, I'm almost certain you've never gotten thought and LP together before. And that's also another weird combo. I don't think anybody ever asked for. Like, it's a dream right. nobody ever really wanted. And that's it again on, on Black Thought's album. So, well, worth telling Mike as well, but. And I said Rocky, strangely placed there, but um, yeah. Well, just talk, just just quickly go back to that that beat on, on Prada. Um, that is like the the most drumless drumless beat. <laughs> yeah, I'm, again, right? like, this has been a hot topic in the chat. Shout out to Celestophone, who really does not care for the term. If you listen to Celestophone's album, he actually yells at you to not call his shit drumless before throwing in a lot of drums. Uh, Buy Celestophone's album. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ask Bias to throw in a club for Celestophone's album in some way, shape, or form here on the YouTube or whatever. But uh, it's a great album. Uh, he has a lot of good features on it that actually are shared mm-hmm. with uh, some you'll hear about on this podcast. But uh, yes, there is no it. way you cannot call that. That is, like, aggressively drumless. That is almost like Drew, like, <laughs> reads RYM and was like, oh, you want some drumless shit, huh? <laughs> I'll give you fucking yeah, 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 yeah. Drumless is now an official tag. I want you. Well, <laughs> let me you show you this. Yeah. Tag. All right. Okay. Yeah. Who did that beat? Shit. Who did that fucking beat? Was that that wasn't Sadu? That was um. That wasn't it's someone real random, right? I think it's just like a, no, no, a I don't think someone who's got billion any credits. No. Okay. Now we're getting this up because now I'm curious. Great video. Now we're looking this up. Yeah. 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 No, I'm looking shit up. Um, and somewhere I'll say it, and I'll be like, oh, of course, it was that person. I think it was, um, just, I think it was my, actually, my it was the only beat, it was the only producer placement on that. I really, it was either Fahim or somebody like notable who only. That's not Fahim. It is. Oh, come on. Internet. Show me what they'd be seen. Is. Oh no way! It's Roper Williams who worked with um. Ow! It was fucking Fatboy Sharif. I told you it was someone notable. I told you it was someone notable. I thought it was Argov, but no, it's not. Yeah, wow. Uh, 
I did not know Argov had so much. Oh, the best beat on there, Matryoshka, is Argov and Preservation. That makes sense. I did not know Argov had so much on Krutoi. That makes a lot of sense considering how good he is. Yeah. But no shit. Um, wow, shout out to Roper yeah. Williams making this session. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Robert Williams has, has some very, yeah, he's he's one of the, the most drumless sometimes with his production. True, he, but the album, he, the work he's got with that boy Sharif is similar then. Oh, yeah, I have not heard the uh, new Roper and Sharif. How is that? Um, the most recent one. Uh, oh, they put out an EP. I don't think I've heard the EP, but the most recent Fat Boy Sharif is with, some, is with is it No Face or something, and their album is really fucked. <laughs> but it's great. It's, it's, it's I was referring to Planet Unfaithful, which I downloaded but have not heard. Just the EP, yeah. You haven't heard it yet, but I'll get to it. Yep. Anyway, speaking um, of getting two things, should we maybe move on to I Told Bessie? Or? Real quick, so I will let you handle the intro for um, Bessie real quick. So, if you want to do okay. that. Yeah, sweet. Uh, so, yeah, I Told Bessie, um, first solo elicit album since Save Yourself, in terms of one that he actually raps on. Um, and it is one where... He didn't produce on it at all. I was expecting him to have some production on it, but he got other people to do the production for him, which I understand because he, you know, kind of came off producing um, with uh, Shrapnel a couple of years ago prior to that. And he has a very intricate, intricate production style, so I can see why he'd want to just, you know, write rhymes instead. Um, but yeah. I told Bessie, I mean, I'm going to get quite angry talking about this album because I'm going to start ranting about the fact that people love words but don't give enough respect to um, Elucid. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. They never do. They never do. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if you were aware of this, but uh, Elucid raps like a cop. It's <laughs> still one of the most baffling. I've read a lot of baffling shit on RYM, but that is one of the most baffling things I've ever read on RYM. As I said, that's just saying something. With the guy who said that Vic Spencer is a Tyler the Creator biter. Because <laughs> they what? They both have deep voices. So by that logic, yeah. Tyler the Creator is a rockless monster biter. Yeah, Vic Spencer fights a guy that he started rapping well before. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's actually impressive that he has a fucking time machine. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so, um, basically, I would say that uh, with this album, conceptually, I would say there are two poles, like, with what he's talking about, death, and like, matriarchal death. There's Killer Priest's mother and um, uh, Redacted's Donda. And I would say that this falls in the middle conceptually in how he talks about stuff um, in that it's not as on the nose as Mother in that he's not like on theme every song addressing it. But emotionally, I think it's closer to Mother than the other one, first of all. Well, yeah, I mean, it's about his grandmother, right? Bessie was it's about his, his grandmother, grandmother, not his family. I more think of it as it's dedicated to his grandmother, but it's not necessarily about her. It's, you know, because he's still still rapping all sorts of shit. Touchstones, as opposed to, like, it's, de- it's a dedication, not a concept album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why you have, like, Touchstones that he's, like, in terms of like the second track, he like hits cliches that she would say, like rocks in your head and tell the truth, shake the devil. Mm-hmm. 
And like in the first track, I mean, in the first track, the just got to have it and can't sit down. Yeah. I love the way he recontextualizes cliches like that is very moving. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and there was kind of a thesis that I was trying that I didn't really flesh out in terms of like uh, Woods versus Kendrick that I kind of wanted to touch upon with um, him versus Kanye here. And again, like mother or grandmother. But again, I'm talking like I'm, I'm being a little loose with it when I say matriarchal. Um like narcissistically approaching the subject, um, being able to step outside yourself and like not make it about yourself when you talk about mm. this sort of thing. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, I think that Elucid's writing style really lends itself like to a more poetic exploration of the form. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Especially that's also. The- tracks like tracks like five like there are certain tracks on here that i think are more abstract than others darker than others Mm. um closer to i mean yeah like there's stuff on here is more i also think he does get a lot of like he doesn't get enough credit period point blank period there's stuff on here that's more approachable than other like i don't think he's as unapproachable as he is given like criticism for, but there is stuff on here that's kind of unapproachable, kind of dark, kind of dissonant. And then mm-hmm. there's stuff on here that I think is closer to Arm and Hammer. But I think he does yep. a fairly good job balancing it. I think in the middle, though, I think it does get darker as it goes. And I think there are like two or three tracks on here that are closer to like the Bernadette level of uh, horse latitude level of more free associative, if that makes sense. Like there are yeah, two I mean- tracks that I think are more really dark uh, free associative poetry. Yeah, well, I think instrumentally, though, that's not always the case. Like, the opener, shout out to Child Act, by the way, amazing production. Um, Spelling is, like, quite a, like, uplifting, colourful instrumental. And Betamax is, like, the most uplifting song of 2023. I, like, I, I play that song all the time. It's it's great. It's just, like, it's quite euphoric. Um, but, yeah, I guess you are right in terms of, like, in the middle, it's a bit darker. Like, um, is it... It's Nostrande with the, the Woods verse where he's, like, talking about the, the kid who's, like, I'm not a kid anymore, I'll break your fucking jaw. You know, he's, like, in the back of the police car. Um, yeah. And the... Um, What's the other one? Oh, Ghouly as well is this very interesting dark beat. Um, but yeah, um, sorry, Nostrand like sounds like some X file shit. Like really, really um, hypnotic alchemist uh, instrumental on that one as well. But in terms of the writing, I mean, he says it in um, Betamax. You know, sometimes the reason doesn't matter, and so there are lots of things which are there that, that you're probably not supposed to get anywhere you know it's like his his best form of expression is doing it that way but the listener perhaps it is supposed to be ambiguous to them um you know it's maybe not really supposed to be there to be pontificated on it's just well, an ex- a direct of, expression he's feeling. Um, the well we were uh, Sphinx and i talked about on the um cold vein episode some of world's lyrics on cold vein are just like code specifically for a very specific audience. I think this some of this is for like a specific audience of his family, or maybe a specific mm-hmm. audience that isn't there anymore. His grandmother, mm. you know. Yep. Uh, and I, that gives it all the much more power. In the same way that some of Priest's lyrics on Mother are for his mother, you know. 
Right. Like, just there's an intimacy to it, a power to it, and like the just specificity. Mm. I I can't mispronounce such a common word. Um, Mm. But, you know, this, I don't know. I feel like, and Sophia talked about this with Aesop in that he gets so much bull, like bullshit criticism for being esoteric when he's talking about such universal emotions. And I feel like Elucid is not really that esoteric in a lot of ways in what he's approaching. And this album is a good example of that. It's just the way he's talking, like some of the details might be esoteric because they're not necessarily for you or me or the listening audience. But it's a testament how good the music is that the songs themselves sound good. This good. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying before you got on as well, that's that's his, you know, first proper solo album. Okay, so, sorry, looking at his RYM page, there's things here that are listed as albums, which I'm kind of like, well, are they, like, intended as albums? Like, Shit Don't Rhyme No More and Seership, I don't know. Um, maybe we can uh, just yeah, talk about that more when we get to uh, charge my toothbrush. There, but. There's some like EPs, I would say. Um, so yeah, considered an EP. It's like a digital EP. It's like a sound collage. Right, right. So this is like his first non-sound collage for me since yeah. since Save Yourself, and it's one yeah. that he did not produce on at all. Um, because I guess he wanted a break from production because this production is is very intricate. Um, but. I remember reading something on Twitter where he said, like, before this album came out, maybe even a few months prior, he was like, the next album I make is going to be the the loudest album I've ever made. Um, And this album isn't. So I think he ended up scrapping that idea and then going completely different direction and making this one that's actually, like, quite, you know, colourful in terms of the production choices. I would like to have have revisited the um, Toothbrush album before this this year some of the loud ideas made it into that because I don't super remember a bunch from that. The, mm. uh, you got to charge my toothbrush, um, which I quite mm. like it out 10, um, but I'm only going to really touch on in passing on this podcast. Yeah. I only it a few months ago, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, maybe some of that, some of those made it onto that album. Yeah. Um, that's that's that a good was, point actually. Yeah. But yeah, like a lucid solo work just gets honestly completely looked over and his Armand work gets completely misunderstood by, like, I mean, yep. partially the consequence of how good Wood it, Woods is yep. that people want to hear him. It's yep. like an even more extreme example of, like, I mean, well, I mean, in this case, it's in that case, it's racism. People who don't want to hear Killer Mike on, on the Jewel shit and edit him out. That's just, right. That's just racism. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But, yeah, like, uh, I, again, I will never understand. Like, I mean, shout out to sports, dude. Uh, Pete, uh, hope you're enjoying making weird edits of shit. Um, <laughs> fucking weirdo. Um, I don't know if he was the guy who said he sounds like a cop, but uh, still might as well. Have been. <laughs> might as well. Yeah, um, this album is great, though. I, I will not say it's the best. I, I don't enjoy overall in terms of the Backwoods year. Like, overall, like, I'm not going to, at the end of the day, watch Mojo this shit and be like, rank your Backwoods albums. Right. Uh, I'm not that, but uh, I don't enjoy it overall. I mean, partially because it's so heavy and heady as much as either of the Woods albums. Um, mm. And really, not as much as the Sketch album either, partially because I like to listen to the Sketch album on my way to work and get really pissed right. off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it has that visceral <laughs> quality to it, but mm. I 
every time I listen to it, I appreciate it more. Spelling is one of his best songs. One of the yep. spelling is just gorgeous. Um, one of the things about spelling I really appreciate is um, personal memory of mine is when I was in high school, uh, I went to a um, longtime listeners of the podcast might remember me relaying a detail that I went to a cult for a high school. It wasn't really much of a school. It was a cult. And they always like to talk about how when you went to heaven, you would just be up and singing all the time. And I was like, mm. I don't want to do that. And then they said, like, <laughs> you, you will want to when you're there. Like, you, mm. like you're, you're going to change your mind. It's just something you're going to want to do. And I right. feel like this song actually does a great job of conveying a complexity of emotion that um, I just the nuance in it. Like I'm listening to it, and I can't tell whether it's about being in heaven and being anxious and wanting to leave and go back to earth, or being so overjoyed that you're finally achieving your reward. Like there's so much passion and again, nuance in Elusive's delivery that it makes me reconsider what my dumb fuck cultist high school teachers were telling me. Not that they were right or anything, but it's more a testament to Elusive's writing and the passion of his delivery and reflection upon his personal statement. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think as well, there's one line in this which I think kind of sets the tone in terms of this being a tribute out, you know, maybe tributed to his, his grandmother, but still, how would I say this? It's tributed to his grandmother, but there's still like himself in the album. Like, cause what I'm, okay. What I'm getting at is he says some shit where he can be quite, quite nasty. Right. And he's yeah. got the line when I fucked you, it was worth the weight of rhyme and the reason. <laughs> so it's like that kind of thing where he's, he still is showing this like more like, I don't know, guttural side of himself, even if it is something that is quite a sincere tribute to his grandmother, you know, like it's, it's a quite an interesting um, balance there. Yeah, I and I think that's pretty consistent throughout. I would say, yeah, that's another really interesting aspect of the album is that it's not like, I mean, to go back, I suppose, to Kanye for a minute, I feel like when artists like that give tributes or like the general idea of giving a tribute is that you have to white watch it and match it and white light, you know what I mean? I don't think he does that here. He's giving a tribute that feels very true to himself. Mm -hmm. and you know human like right the humanity is one of the things that i find truly relate like appealing about all of the backwoods artists is that they're giving these earthbound perspectives yeah that are still then, very literate and just compelling and then and then you've also got like an instrumental like sardonics which is like you know kind of like verbal intercourse right. type pornographic kind of sounds and, and, and the beat and again you're putting in this on an album which is a dedicated to your grandmother you know so again it's, it's showing the, the whole all facets of who a listener is as a person right yeah very compelling album very very striking cover again um, um in the spirit of haram cover art that my wife mm. care for um uh yeah and uh Again, showing all facets of like you know raw and real though like yeah. Uh, interesting, you mentioned that it's like one you probably haven't listened to as much, but I think this is the backwards release I listened to the most of of the year, and I think it is because there's just like a, a certain um, colorfulness to the to the the production and the way that that kind of corresponds or maybe contrasts rather with his, his lyricism is just very compelling to me. 
I've listened to it a lot. Um, mm. I ordered the CD. It took a while to get here. I would have listened to it more. I had to take uh, gotten here sooner. Um, mm. But it sounds good in the car. The production sounds really good in the car, actually. Yeah. So, as a as a um, as, as a um, Willie Green, did he do the mastering? Because he's usually the dude behind right. all of the. Oh, I did. He did the mixing. Uh, and, yeah, to, uh, he knows how to mix things. Speaking of giving dudes, very well. We mentioned the names and not more at all so far. Willie Green still tipped off fucking masters of the craft both oh willie yep. green if there's been an underground rap album you've loved in the past couple of years willie green's name is probably somewhere in the credits so mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah and also it's just really i i just love hearing child actor beats they're really really generally just amazing and oh one thing as well uh which probably even kind of rounds the album out quite well in terms of you talking about the whole going to a high school you know that was a cult <laughs> um as the, the closing track is about him being in church and he's choking on a, a, a mint. And I, I listened to an interview with him about this and he said that, yeah, he, he would go to church every Sunday and he, he had this very vivid memory of the time he was choking on a mint in church and no one in the church was there to help him. Like no one, you know, pat him on the back or anything like that. So, um, Man, the Lord I guess that, yeah, 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 exactly. So again, just taking things full circle and in quite an interesting way. And it's also like an interesting way to end the album because it's it's quite a short track and it's like a short story and then that's it, you know. After yeah. Betamax, which is the most inspiring, inspirational, um, you know, amazing, uplifting song of 2023, in my opinion. <laughs> from what I've heard from 2023. Well, I can't imagine cults are going to come up again on this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Moving on to something a little more uplifting will be a uh, metal lung by shrapnel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So going back um, to, we're the, to start uh, with this far out. going up to, um, going back to the call out culture podcast. Um, so I guess, uh, they had a pot. I really, really wish I got to listen to more of this. I just discovered they did it. I must've missed it on my feed was, um, they did a podcast about the um, Curious Case of Rap Retirements with Sketch. Oh, God, I wish I listened to more of this because mm-hmm. I guess they all thought at one point they were going like they talked about how rap retirements are bullshit because they are. And um, mm. they yeah. all at one point thought everybody in the room thought at one point they were going to retire. Curly, Zilla, right. maybe not Dove. I guess Dove at this point has had a pretty consistent career. But um so, yeah, Curly thought he was going to retire with his health issues, Alaska after Hanger, um, Zilla after a future former rapper, which should have been obvious in the title. But uh, apparently I did right. realize that like, <laughs> review, even though it's very obvious listening to the content of the album. And when he explains it, I should have been fucking like, I feel once again, dumb. But yeah, because I, I was in the episode. Yeah, he, he said that he was convinced he was going to retire because he's starting a family. And then he realized once he started a family, he was rapping more than he would be. So I just kept going. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, like he says in the episode, it's like, and then I did that and I put out more music than ever. <laughs> like, I was actually more productive than right. ever after. Um, yeah, yeah. Although the, yeah, exactly. the song he puts at the end of Future Former Rapper is like the most moving rap song I've ever heard. <laughs> like, that song makes me cry. Right. But, um, but seriously, yeah. um, this album feels like two people revitalized after finding their love for their art form and also just being utterly, utterly pissed off about the state of the world. But also, 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 like regurgitating the entirety of rap history, especially Curly Castro, mm. um, I would mm-hmm. say. Because so one of the things I find fascinating about Wood's style 
is I keep referencing Ghostface in terms of Woods, not just because he wears a mask, which, first of all, not enough people do these days. Um, second of all, uh, because he used to, um, Ghostface used to, um, is because I think a lot of the way that Woods spits narratives is in that Ghostface on Maxine sort of way, Ghostface on Shaky Dog sort of way, where it's like his narratives are of like accrued details together that give you a fuller picture. And I feel like that's part of it. And it's like also refer like references to other things that right. kind of the more references you get that he makes in combination with those other details, you get the fuller picture. He's not like slick Rick or something. who's giving you like a full on narrative. That's not the type of narrative rapper Woods yeah. is most of the time. Although occasionally he will give you yeah. a full narrative. Like, and I think Castro, especially on this album, just takes whole references. Like, he'll give you reference, almost like fucking, I can't believe I'm making a second game reference on this episode, but like, straight up game style streams of references to other things. But it's not corny, somehow. Like, Castro can just give you a verse that's just like, yeah, yeah. On reference on reference to other songs, other pop culture things. But via context, via delivery, it just sounds intense, vaguely threatening, and awesome. And combined yeah. in contrast, I think here's here's a weird web. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say he he kind of like tells. I don't even really know how to explain it, but the way he references like other rap songs is he kind of does it backwards. Like it's not. Well, I don't he know. He just he just phrases things in a particular way where it's not like I'm like X rapper, you know, or like. It's something like that. It's more like he will take a, he will flip a, a well-known line, or not even well-known line, like a, a, a line that's like a deep cut from another song in a way that's like just quite unique and, and, and yeah, not, it's, it's, Heather's it's like not super obvious all the time. Yeah, like when Game does it, it's more like, uh, um, he'll like be like name of Pac song and I'm thugging like name yeah. of Rapper, and then like name, and then he'll be like current cool slang term, and he'll like be like X to Y to Z. Mm. Whereas like the way Castro does it, it's like mm. first of all the flow is so intense; it's never lazy, and then it's also just contextually is over. It's always to serve a bigger theme. It's always intense, and it's always clever. And I feel like it's just. It's just somehow different, and it, it never feels lazy, unlike my way to try to tie it all together to explain it. And it, again, he like explained this very well on his podcast that works so well in contrast with Prem, who, like, mm -hmm. Caleb talks about all the time how he likes conversational rappers, and I feel like yeah, Castro is a battle rapper and Prem's a conversational rapper. And Castro on the podcast said the two of them together yeah. can never rap the same way on a, on a track. And that's a great quality to have. Right. Like, even if they try, they can. Yeah. And then over these weird-ass yeah. instrumentals, they might be talking about the same thing and they can never do it the same way. So, yeah. so then you have this overall I, I, in the the way I described it on the year-end episode is the great lost 2000s Def Jux album that I never knew I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, well, I mean, I was going to bring something up about that because um, I, I do really feel like they have a very similar t- dynamic to um, Cannibal Ox on the cold vein where Curly is, va- is like vast here in, in the sense that he's like this kind of like larger than life figure um, who like has non-traditional lyricism, but it's like set in a more like kind of forceful way. And whereas Prem Rock is more like Vaudal Mega where it's like much more cryptic um he hits you with more of a you know in a row and it, it takes a while to kind of like uh process everything that's coming at you as well so i feel like the two of them do share very similar dynamics to to vast and Vortal on on the cold vein specifically um, right i don't know if, if you agree with that but that's kind of one thing i have kind of picked up on i mean he literally invokes Vortal on the first two bars of the album so right yeah 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 obviously yeah yeah um one of the every like every single opening track on all of these albums by the way just like spelling um uh i can't i've forgotten the name of the one on ethiopia before no hard feelings um that's i can't believe it's escaping me but then you have spelling you have that running rebel sword play uh uh Paraquat, when we get to church, they, they yeah. just, every single opening track is, they just know how to set off an album ridiculously well. That's yeah. another gift of this collective. So, um, this mm-hmm. is probably the liveliest of all the albums, save for maybe Dunce Cap, but this is twice the length yeah. of the Dunce Cap, and I feel like is trying to do a lot more than the Dunce Cap album, so it gets more credit from me. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, the instrumentals in this are, are like crazy. So so many layers and just like interesting BPMs and, and, and drum patterns and things like that. Um, one thing I, I should mention as well, um, just before moving forward, is are you aware that the album art was done by the same artist who did the Rome album art for Armand Hammer? Who did, um, you said Haram? No, Rome. Rome. Oh, um, I did not know that. Um, this yeah. is my favorite album art in a very long time I'm it's amazing yeah it's so cool uh, it's beautiful beautiful album art mm-hmm. it's i don't know if it's a reference to something i probably is considering the two of these guys especially castro um castro the only guy I can get away who can get away with making lost references except for um two former guests friend of the show Jermainson. um constant lost references i don't get but i think this is and, and, and marvel references i don't want to hear anyone else making marvel references other than i know Castro. yeah well, uh, <laughs> fuck you. we will get to you on the upcoming wu-tang episode uh solo with the uh, zarvin section where i would just make snoring and farting noises throughout <laughs> but yeah um, this is go- gorgeous album art um Damn Alice apparently was supposed to be someone's solo song, but they decided they would sound and it had a hook and everything. I forget this again came up on um the Shrapnel uh call out culture episode. I forget who I think it was supposed to be a Prem solo song, but they decided with a hook and everything, but decided that it sounded better together. Mm, true. Um what are your thoughts? I guess the song that seems to be divisive for whatever reason is um Night of the Living Analog. What What are your thoughts on that song? People, I've seen some people say it's out of place. I don't think it is, but I just nah, I um, that is that the woods. The woods feature. Uh, the woods feature is at the end of something else. I think it's the one where it's got that weird like swishing noise, and it's the don't change that dial, don't change that dial. That one. No, um, no, I don't think it's out of out of place at all. I don't know. No, 
don't know. Yeah, I don't no. get that criticism, and that that's one of the ones where it's. I think it's all entirely referential, right? He's, he's talking yeah, about watching uh, Rhapsody and what he would see on Rhapsody. Totally in um, uh, Curly's wheelhouse. So um, this does, mm-hmm. and combined with what I heard of Shrapnel, um call out episode, make me want to revisit Little Willie Hutton, which I. Mm-hmm. Not super nice things about on the podcast. Of course, that was vaguely annoying. And then I found out he had terrible health issues when he recorded it. I'm like, wow, I sound like right. a huge asshole. So <laughs> I, um, there's no bad Curly Castro material out there. There's no bad either of these guys' material out there. You need to listen to all of it. But I, as Shrapnel, they really found their voices like collectively mm-hmm. in the same way that, I mean, Zilla. Um, said that he didn't really find himself until he felt like quitting and um, restarted his career in the second half of the 2010s. I feel like he was way more com- like he said he was way more confident. I feel like in the same way with these two, um, and they did kind of adopt the Cannibal Ox model. Um, obvi- again, Cold Vein is probably up there with Illmatic as one of the most influential records of all time. Um, go listen to the Cold episode, um, and also. Thanks, assholes. I don't care if you disagree with him. Fucking unban him. Just yeah, unban Sphinx. Free Sphinx. What the fuck is wrong with you? Free yeah, Sphinx. That was bullshit. Um, yeah. Uh, were you also aware on Cold Burn that that is Curly Caster on the hook making that monster voice? <laughs> I, I am, um, no. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that either. I was like, because like, there's unlisted features on this album, right? I was like, oh, maybe it's someone I'm just yeah, I mean, I'm not up yeah, to play yeah, with. But well, it, yeah. it's literally Curly Castro doing the when oh. Nicole gets hot. Yeah, that blew my mind. Because <laughs> that's my favorite song on the album. I play that all the time. So good. Yeah, I think my favorite. Um, my favorites are probably the first two. I think Damn Alice is super clever. In fact, one's awesome on it. And um, mm. Mescalito and a tribe all stressed later on is really great too. And obviously Woods when he shows up is awesome. Yeah. Zilla when he shows yeah. up is great too. But so and the yeah. last two are a really great way to end the album as well. But yeah, the first two uh are pretty impeccable. Um mm. just it sprints out the gate. Like there's no better yeah. way to um and there's a remix of uh Mescalito on Spotify right now. Oh yeah. It's uh this- more on the Yemi side, but I think it comes mm. across very well. It has a guest uh, guest feature attached to it as well. So yeah, like the thing, that. is actually listed on that now. So true. Uh, yeah, yeah, because which kind of spoils the surprise. I, I liked having the surprise. Yeah, sorry guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really, I really did appreciate the the unlisted features. Um, yeah. Listening for the first time, and I, I love the the um uh the, the prim rock line. The sorry, not prim rock. Um, Zilla Rocker line. The um. You know, you, you sold your your fucking rock Marcy beat for twenty five beans. You know, just <laughs> calling out people stealing that production style. Um, yeah. Uh, also, I really love the um, instrumental switch near the end on Metal Sum Kids when Rob Sonic comes in. That's really really cool. Um, do you prefer uh, the production on this or the production on the first Trapmore album? Given that they're effectively two separate producers doing the majority of, of the work. I think it's situational. I think the first one is more immediately appealing. I like this one when I'm in the mood for it. Mm. I would say. Yeah. This one's more I will say this one's more steel tipped of. This one is more like I won't say it's a Mike Dean situation where it's like he just went in and put his stamp on it. Like he 
heavy hand. But this is definite. He's more heavily felt here than, you know, his hand is felt. But I don't think he's, like, just straight up making this his show. Right, but, right. I mean, what do you, yeah. um, the dub album, by the way, the uh, All the Weight Feathers Can't Carry? No, I was actually just going to ask, like, is this similar to his other production it's, style, or is it more him getting uh, into his Jeff Jacks big? It depends. I mean, this is, I mean, this is more, I think, uh, throw, like, it's calling back to 2000s Def Jux. It is kind of, there are notes of his other stuff. Um, he did a cloud rap album. Uh, what the fuck is it called? Uh, why did I think I have a mouse? I'm on a tablet. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's something like that. Uh, nothing touches the ground here. There's some of that on here, and uh, some of that on there, I would say. And, uh, I don't know. It's unique. I would I would highly recommend that album though. Um, I was going to kind of touch mm. on that and like certain like if you like a R Y R Y R I Y L type section for if you like backwood stuff, other stuff in that orbit, and also the fireside chats things, uh, the Jason Griffs mm. stuff, mm. just that I think have also aroused. Uh, oh God, that was a Freudian arose out of the same you, but. Right. Anyway, yeah. Um, but that is a the problem with that album is um, not a lot of people have heard it because I think that he's trying to get people to actually you know do the weird shit, pay money for it, right. um, until he puts it on. So he's waiting to put it out on DSPs. Uh, I apparently value my own um, temporal pleasures over uh, my daughter's future. So I was like, hey, yeah, sure. Here's fifteen dollars. Give me a cassette. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my daughter doesn't need to go to college. College is a grift anyway. I'll take a cassette. So yeah, the, uh, I need instrumentals I can only listen to in my basement. So, <laughs> <laughs> as, sure. as, did, did you get a digital copy as well, or did you only get the cassette? Uh, copy, but the instrumentals are on the digital. Uh, yeah, I got a digital copy, but the instrumentals are only on cassette. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha. That's the problem. Is I wanted the instrumentals on, like, and I don't have a way to rip them off the cassette. Um, cause the instrumentals are part of the best, best part of it. I'm uh, not the best part of it, but I really like to have a copy of the instrumentals. Hint. Yeah. Dove. If you're listening. Yeah. If you're listening. Yeah. Which anyway. Might be. I don't um, know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I've been told that maybe backwards people listen to this sometimes. <laughs> Allegedly. Anyway, moving on. Um, so what is next on the itinerary here? Uh, you've got non-backwards auxiliary yeah. so for preservation. I haven't heard this, so you'll have to comment on this oh, one. Oh, you haven't heard it at all, really? Um, no, I didn't even to it. It's great. Um, unfortunately, it's very long, and I can't pick it. I meant to talk more in depth about it on the year end, and I was like, it's great. Listen to it. I mean to go more in depth on it, but it's very long. And I pretty much have the same thing to say here now. Um, right. Yeah, it's a really good beat tape that pulls a lot of if you're into Celestophone, um, some small pro stuff, if you're into um, the dude from who writes for Weiss, uh, what the fuck is his name? He put out the uh, Take a Kayak, um, which I've showed on here before. Uh, Sun Raw. Um, oh, yeah. Type, yeah. Like psychedelic beat tape stuff. Very good. It's, it's got like collage tape aspects to it. He basically takes news clips, psych rock stuff from the year, kind of puts it together into commentaries on the current music scene and stuff. 
it's very like reminis- it has aspects that are reminiscent of like Eastern medicine, Western illness, yeah. uh, Ethiopes. Like his the thing about preservation that I've realized is that no two projects are alike. Right. He's always on theme completely. Like if you ask him to do a project, he's going to fully commit himself to it. It's not like he gives you a batch of beats that are just like another batch of beats. So yeah. I highly recommend it. Um, it's kind like kind of hard to pick out a single track that stands out though, because it's such a whole piece of work and right. I've listened to it times. And unfortunately I can't really just be like, listen to this track as a, yeah. you know, Gateway. So, yeah, we'll move on from that. Okay. And we're moving on to church. We're going to church. church. Oh, yes. Uh, amazing, amazing, amazing album that I appreciate more every time I listen to it. I, I've gotten to the point where I say this is equal to Ethiopes. And mm. people need to start fucking putting some respect on Masai Music's name. It's just about to say that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Big ups, the slime music, not only for this album, but we just I just want to kind of um, bring attention to his run that he's gone through. Um, so Trapdoor, DFC, uh, Future Classic, amazing cool. album. He's also done his um, those uh, album. He did the album with Blood Money Perez. Um, is it Secondhand Accounts, which is also amazing. Very good. Blood Money I, Perez I, is really really great rapper. Um, Blood Money Perez, very. Um, I would say if you're into Zilla Rocka, he's kind of like on the middle ground between Zilla Rocka and Billy Woods, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I described it. So very, very interesting lyricism from um, Blood Money Perez. And then also just the fact that the Sly music has been there since, you know, I, 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 was he, he was on um, History One and Zolt Wolves over me, yeah, as well as um, race music. He's got production credits all the way back. And I've seen some people being like, who's this guy? And it's like, Oh, how how are you? How are you fans of Armored Hammer? You don't like at least have a glance at production credits sometimes, you know? <laughs> a little bit because Jeff Markey was on race music and then kind of hung back for a while. Messiah Music right. has been insistently on their projects, so like, what the mm-hmm. f- yeah. When I saw that he was doing all of church, I remember distinctly being at work, just checking the Discord in the bathroom at work, as I do when I'm trying to avoid doing work and seeing this shit and having to avoid doing the Booker T breakdancing yell <laughs> real quick. <laughs> yeah, I remember Aaron saying that. And I'm like, sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? This yeah. came out in two days. We're, sorry, we're doing this. What? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I love when that shit happens. Unfucking believable. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Paraquat is. Billy Woods has a you way. You smoke a new pulse, man. Let me eat my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so good. See, that's that's a line that is fucking hilarious. That people need to you know pay attention yeah, okay. to instead of jumping conclusions. All, you, yeah, one of the things that elevates this, uh, at the very least, makes it equal to Ethiopes is that this is there are jokes on this. There are very few yeah. jokes on Ethiopes. Like Ethiopes, one of the things that makes it intense is that. There's, it's not, it's a, I want to say humorless album, but it's a serious album. There are jokes on the point where he says at the end, all jokes aside, I miss my God. Like that's what makes it so devastating in the final run. Those final three tracks, which by the way, Oh my God. Like those final three tracks are just like, 
Is that is that the best um, end to a Woods album? Uh, uh, it's it's in the conversation, I, right? I, you, like, got, you, got you got shrines where you got like Ramsey's two and um, the Eucharist, I believe. That's and a I mean, shrine. obviously, Hiding Places as well has an amazing ending. But I don't know, just the the Polo Rico to all jokes aside is so good. And I mean, I guess Magdalene is like kind of on a different. Um, well, that's the only issue. I was talking about thing. My only issue is I would switch all jokes aside, Magdalene, because all jokes aside feels like where the album ends. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah. The way I see it is these, this is a companion to Ethiopes, and mm. Ethiopes is like the macro, and this is the micro. Right. Ethiopes is the lens pulling out and trying to explain how the systems have ruined everybody and the tragedy of everything, and it's the weight of everything on everybody, and this is the micro, these are the littler stories. Right. Smaller stories of devastation, but it's also like the humor and humanity and everything, which is also like the biggest, most devastating stuff is in the smallest stories. And that's why you got Paraquat and Puerto Rico, which are the two most just like, aside from maybe like SpongeBob, like hardest dust. Like, Jesus God, like when he talks about the fucking vending machine and the vape and yeah. Puyo, you know, like good fucking God, man. Yeah. Yeah, I could see his teeth. It wasn't a smile. Face has details that he Mm. uses to accumulate something and just like emotionally cripple you. Mm. Mm. And there's the um, the the more mother adlibs. If you listen, you know the twice as well. Mm. Really, really cool. Such an amazing detail, and also the the switch from what is it? Um, Hose in paradise and love in paradise. You know. Oh God! The way yeah, he flips the. I hope there's like. He says hose in paradise, and you're like, okay, that's a that's cool. Like, you know, he likes <laughs> paradise, and paradise, then I love him like, I'm crying. <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah, now yeah. I'm crying. Now I'm actually actively crying. <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw someone tweet, I don't know who it was, but they were like, Billy Woods must have just gone through the most like devastating breakup of all time to, to make all this emotionally crushing music. I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, does um, he go through? album cycle though because he also made fucking spongebob and mm. like and then, yeah and but he's also able to always mingle it with humor like he makes spongebob and then he comes up with steak knives after spongebob and steak right. knives you know the glengarry glenn ross joke right after it, which it's like mm. fucking hysterical so yeah again yeah best you're going right now any medium like do, no do, do we do we want to take some time to get angry about the Fantano review for this or no? Nah? <laughs> okay, so one of the things I wanted to do was rewatch the review, but I was like, I don't want to be super mad, but I'm like, you'll probably do it for me. So, okay, do you want to quote some stuff? Quote some stuff. Oh, uh, I, 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 he clearly just didn't pay attention to it, as, as I think is, is the, the general thing. He was complaining about like there being too many beat switches, but also like the beat <laughs> switches are fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> so there are. T- Okay, all right. That's a, that's a problem. Why? And exactly. I don't know. I thought they felt that was disjointed or something. I don't know. This Justin Armand Hammer album, to mm. which I reply. So the part where he talks about his dad dying is uh, that's one of them. Um, there's also the parts where it's always clearly like all personal stories about his <laughs> like life, and also the fact that it's always like he clearly has like. 
if you follow his solo career, like thematic elements that he builds albums upon versus Arm and Hammer albums where they have collective right. things they build elements upon. You wouldn't know yeah. that though, because you never actually listened to Lucid albums. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, has has never even reviewed an Elusive album. And also, just while I'm at it, it took 10 years to review one Rock Marciano album. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and another thing as well that I was like, clearly hasn't listened to it, is there's a bit where, you know, this schism has the Fat Ray feature, and it's the same sample as um, No Hard Feelings. Right. Didn't mention that at all. So it's like, well, if you're such a fan of Atheops, you know, how did right. you miss that part and, and not mention it? You know, so it's like back to with the line where he says no hard feelings in it. <laughs> yeah. In his yeah. apparently, um I, I think I read that um the actual beat like it was just by coincidence that both Messiah Music and Preservation had used that sample. Like that there wasn't it wasn't a calculated thing. It just right. happened around the same time. Yeah, it's parallel it's thought. Like um apparently Blockhead mm. um for um, the undercard, Blockhead did not know that um, Clips had used that for uh, Freedom. Um, oh, true. Basket drops. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it happens. It happens. Um, yeah. Off. So that review was Quelle. just. It was. And, um, I, I, I don't want to. Yeah. Sorry. Quelle did not know. Really know. And um, the track. Oh, true. Know. Huh. That's funny too, given that they're both, you know, Detroit dudes. But never mind. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. know. I don't believe that Quelle, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> mm. so. Interesting. But yeah, I guess anyway, back to the album. Um, Fuchsia and Green, one of the best hooks on an Arm and Hammer track. Agree? Oh, yeah. Disagree? The poetic. Uh, I I agree. Um, yeah. And the poetic lyricism on that is um, very. Uh, that strikes me as Billy being influenced by Lucid a little bit in terms of the way he's writing. So, mm-hmm. right, yeah, yeah. I uh, just Cossack weeping with the having the sample from the the song that him and uh, Mark Mark Combi had on um on uh, um what's the one after? Oh God, Blaze Gone Break. Give me a second. It has the same sample as oh, sorry, it's, it samples um, Mark Holmby's verse on the song from Terror Management at the end of it. Um, oh, he really also calls back, back. That's one where he actually uses the terror. Uh, don't let me. Um, he calls. There's one track on here where he, unfortunately, I would want to be on my lap. I either want to be on my laptop where I have the um, church PDF on there, or have sent it to myself, and I have done neither because I'm terrible at my job. But yeah. there is one track where he says, "Don't let." judge how you terror manage is that the one where he does that oh it might be but i, I could be wrong i'd have to look into that yeah, yeah. i also actually have the um the booklet but it's downstairs <laughs> i yeah. should um bring that um, up what did you think of the, the um the the um the fat ray feature i thought that was again one of those cases where it's like someone that doesn't wouldn't fit on paper but like just plays a really nice part you know being slotted on the album yeah, I thought that was uh, really soft. I thought he did a really good job on his feature. I, it's not my favorite verse on the album by any by any you know measure, but I'm also glad uh, as I'm bringing it up on RYM. I'm glad to see it's bolded at a three six, which I was yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. I would, oh, oh, that's that's pretty good. Three, th- sorry, three thousand nine hundred. Oh, sorry. Uh, so it's in the five thousand. So it's still pretty safe there. But probably over time will be unbothered, unfortunately. And um, I Aaron say, I don't know. mentioned that uh, Thelonious Martin used the same building picture for uh, his beat tape recently that uh, Billy used for this because he keeps sending me. You know, you know who else used this this image? Uh, was AM Breakups. I was listening to one of his um, tapes, and like on the YouTube upload, it had the exact same image. I was like, oh, nice. But have one of my image from this this great image. <laughs> yeah, is it is a great image. It's uh, Billy. Off, like Billy has a you know flawless streak with his uh, album art, and as he does with many things. But Absolutely. in terms of like the yeah. album title and the recurring motif, I think he does a great job of bringing it back up over and over without being corny about it. Like the "No Church in the Wild" line, yeah. um, I think that yeah. he's just something he's always really good about is coming back to a theme, and, but not beating you over the head with it. Just revisiting a theme, yeah. yeah not being just heavy-handed with it yet not forgetting yeah. it either so right. uh, fever ass yeah, actually absolutely. if i had to pick like three if i had to pick four tracks here that i think put this as equal if not better if i had to pick four tracks that i keep coming back to that make me think this could be equal or better to ethiopes which when i first listen to it i was like this is great but you know i think it's like a companion album to ethiopes but not like it's equal or better and the more i listen to it i think it's it's equal or better paraquat fever grass puyo rico all jokes aside and fever grass with one of those beat switches that annoys that schmuck so much i think is <laughs> you know, one of those tracks like the hook the way it builds up in those again accumulating details about again like and you have stuff about his family which all the stuff he mentions about his family and mentions all build up to the emotional just like devastation of Puerto Rico over time mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's just amazing writing as, as per usual remarkable writing and you see why he gave you a lyric sheet with this he wants right. to read a yeah, yeah yeah unlike yeah, the like, lyrics, I'd rather not give you ever a lyric yeah. sheet so. Yeah, I mean, at least as far as I'm aware, Lucid doesn't, you know, do well, DMCA me... claims. He <laughs> put his yeah, lyrics you online. The... <laughs> you got the CD of uh, I Told Bessie, right? He gave you a lyric sheet with that kind of. Oh, I don't, ha- I don't <laughs> have it on CD. What, what, what is it? Is it like? Uh, and I'll find it for you. It's a. Uh... I will find it for you, and I will actually take a picture of it at some point so Wyatt can put it on screen. Nice. A double portion of protection for me and my. Yep. Who holds the one who holds the secrets? You don't know what to do with it. Nice. I believe in black people. So, there you go. I That's mean, those are all very important lines say. in the album, to be fair. Yeah. Well, another uh, quite interesting one is the. Um, the booklet for dialects abandoned language it does have lyrics but you have to like hold them in the light a certain way to actually read them <laughs> oh that's awesome huh. yeah it's really sad uh yeah Legend. oh that's another episode we could have you on for um uh would be the dialect episode oh absolutely and also like i i, I do really want to at some point discuss the link between dialect and elucid because i they're definitely he's definitely influenced by them and like i I don't know I if it's even been stated or not. I, I definitely see that for sure. Mm. Yeah, actually, I, I'll tell that story later. But yeah, um, yeah. Oh, uh, so okay. 
Um, no, oh, it's just no. just 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 the just the just the brief anecdote from something that happened recently. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, amazing album. Yeah. Um, I I think I I might have yeah I think I might have even listened to this maybe more than Aethiopes at this stage. Um, well, I think that's another thing that gives it an edge over Ethiopes is that Ethiopes demands to be heard as a full piece. I feel like that, but it's like it has that again, like why I kept being drawn to the Kendrick butterfly comparisons is it has that weighty quality to it. I just think it's better at that than butterfly. Cause again, I think butterfly is that narcissistic self-important quality to it. I feel like I'm shitting on yeah. butterfly. So I, I do like the type of butterfly. I swear to God, I do. I just right. think that in a lot of its themes, Billy's just so much better than Kendrick, but I feel like this is it, like more approachable. I feel like just by nature of being like the more street bound, companion to what Ethiopes the thematic companion to Ethiopes. Um and I feel like again it was designed by design. Like you're supposed to yeah. digest Ethiopes for half a year, then get this to reflect upon what Ethiopes was telling you, and then this is the other half. Fuck yeah, and I mean it's a similar situation with when you put out tier management a few miles after the hiding places, you know, like two big kind of career oh, statements I- and then there's like the companion album after. An album I still need to revisit because that's the one Woods album I will say. I have a seven that kind of leaves me cold. Aside from the stuff like prior to uh, History Will Absolve Me. Another thing I was talking about with Aaron is that um, aside from the Super Cron stuff, like the early Woods stuff does leave me kind of cold. Like, uh, I will say, the Chalice. The, oh, you know, yeah. The- I've, I've, I actually heard that stuff. I've, have you listened to um, Super Cron Flight Brothers at all? Yeah, that's what I just said. The aside from the oh, sorry, my bad. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Indonesia, I like that stuff. I like that stuff quite a bit. But like his solo stuff, like the Chalice and uh, the the like, he has a comp album. Um, I think it's called like Hideous Threats and uh, I'm break oh, yeah, no, on you mean yeah, Cowardly Threat, Hideous Cruelty. Yeah, that's the, yeah. I feel like that has like all the good stuff um, from his pre uh, History Will Absolve Me period because I listened to the other albums once. I'm just like. Pretty good. Wouldn't right. have really checked this guy if I didn't like know history will absolve me was about to happen. Right. Sure. Yeah. So mm. again, yeah, like you know, Lucid put out the Bible and the gun where it's like this guy's pretty good, but he really likes insulting um some <laughs> certain people a lot, doesn't he? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so did Rock. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Moving on to uh, <laughs> now that's a transition. Moving on to um, Akai, piece to Akai solo, the soldier, mm. uh, spirit roaming. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Um, uh, Akai solo yeah. is an interesting artist to me, uh, rapping wise. Every now and then I'll hear a, a, a guest verse from him like that was really cool. Um, I kind of tune out a little bit to this album, but I've only heard it a handful of times. I need to listen to it a few more. I think. Um, yeah, this one, I really like the intro, and Upper Room is incredible. Mm. Um, I like um, Iron Galaxy before it too a lot, but other than that, Upper mm. Room is great. Upper Room is so good, but mm. yeah, other than that, it's just kind of like, kind of blends in the background into that sort of, I've listened to a lot of Mike, and I've listened to a lot of Navy Blue, and I've listened to yeah, that sort of sound, and it just bleeds together type thing. I had been wondering about that, um, if, if that is just coincidence or if he is just doing this slum style 
because he's like he doesn't rhyme the same he just vocally sounds kind of similar to those dudes i mean it's definitely feels like you've hit some sort of some sort of i don't know what the right word is parallel isn't the right word sweet spot's not the right word either but like he's somewhere in the middle between mike earl cannibal ox yeah, thing. I was also going to say that I actually hear it quite a bit of Vortal Mega and um, yeah, Akai Vortal, Solo. Vortal, like, not Vortal not vast. Vortal not vast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like Vortal like would do that thing where he would, I think a lot of the time he would continue freestyling after his verse and then they'd like use that. And I feel like because Akai Solo has sort of like a rambling style, it just reminds me of Vortal quite a bit. Um, um, I really hate to like kind of disregard this album because I do think it's quite good. I have it as a seven out of ten. Hmm. I can't lie. Like I've only listened, I've only listened to it through once. And right. I, it, I put upper room on a mix and I've listened to that a lot. And mm. I've listened to Cuddy a lot. I think I'm not a lot. I've listened to Cuddy a few times. I think Cuddy's quite good. Other than that, I've only listened to everything else on this once. And I don't, I really like, bad. I think but, mob psycho is the second track. And this, like, as the verse goes on, you, this, uh, you can hear like more frustration in his voice. And I think that's like really, really cool. Um, yeah. A problem and, I have with him is a problem I have with some Denmark stuff where I feel like it's just too monochrome, monotone, whatever. Some of the stuff with Mike again, and I really hate to be like that. They sound like Earl, right. which is just like the most tacky ass criticism, but I hate to say mm. it, you know, feels like something Fantano would say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Not paying attention, which is always, but yeah. I don't know. It, I mean, compared to the rest of the Backwoods stuff this year, it feels like it didn't stand out as much. But it's still a good album, right. and I want another shot. And I don't want to discourage people from listening to it, and Upper Room yeah. is remarkable. So, I wanted to say, he actually has the best verse on Upper Room. Yeah, I was he, like, say I that. outwraps Elucid and Billy on that. I don't think it's a sort of, you let your little brother win situation. Like, I feel like both Billy and Elucid, like, give full on that, and he still outwraps mm. them. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, he's, he's an artist I need to spend more time with, because, like, I, I, I like the idea of how he does things, and a lot of the time he does, like, kind of non-rhyming things, which is, like, I think, if done well, is quite cool. Um, so, yeah, we'll get yeah, to I that. Mean, so. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, and did you also notice one of the tracks on this has the same sample as Bardo? Like, not the it does it's not played out the same way. But the the intro part of Bardo is in the in that beat as well. I can't remember which one it was though, because again, I just kind of didn't yeah. pay as much attention as I wanted to. I feel like I'm giving this album short shrift, but it did kind of just float by me in some ways. So, but yeah, I, it's definitely yeah. good. It is good. It is good. I mean, I feel like we're being a little pandering, but you know, it is. Good. And like um, as well produced. We uh, oh, sorry. Just no, gonna go say, I was go glad ahead. glad to say as well that he got a uh, Animos production on there as well. And it's yeah, it's got August Fanon preservation. It's got lots of really great production on it. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, Animos was um Iron Galaxy, wasn't he? Yeah, correct. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's it's again very interesting rapping style. Right. Need to give it more That's listens to really form a more say that, valid you know, opinion on it. Upper Room is my favorite. Cuddy's my the Cuddy my intro. The intro is my second favorite. Iron Galaxy is my third favorite. So that makes sense. Animos doesn't work very yeah. often. So that was a real out of pocket pick. But mm-hmm. need to revisit it. 
you don't want to discourage yeah. other people from saying it, but can't act like, you know, I'm not going to sit here. Obviously, I can't talk eloquently about something I've only really heard in full once. So, yeah. Moving on, though, we got a Christmas present we didn't expect from uh, on, from uh, Jeff Markey, who came out with the very first Arm & Hammer track he was responsible for. He gave us Sports & Leisure on Christmas Day. Mm. The first Backwoods Beat tape, although it has several vocal cuts on it. Um, Prem Rock shows up. We got Def C, Fatboy Sharif, Billy, Shape, Sharif again, Sketch. And uh, Gucci show up. Uh, yep. This is great. This is, um, I mean, it's just cool to have a, back, a backwards beat tape, first of all. Um, yep. It plays to a lot of my interests, uh, 90s sports, uh, the general style of it, the way it mingles, you know, vocals and uh, general theme is like sort of beat tape I like. Uh, it's under a half hour. It goes by like a flash. There's nothing bad on here. I think nope. Woods' verse is awesome. Defsy's verse is awesome. Sketch's verse is awesome. Uh, it's just a nice way to end the year for them. Like, And also, it kind of really, if you listen to Sketch's verse it, and everything, it really just kind of, it's like a prologue to the Sketch album. Yeah. You know? And also, having said that, though, the production style of this is actually quite different from on the Sketch album, too. So it's really just shows off his versatility. This is like, yeah, I would say more standard uh, oh, yeah. hip-hop instrumental tape in, in a lot of ways. Not, 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 not saying that's a bad thing, I'm just saying it's like more yeah, to that format. A lot more like, uh, I don't want to say mellow music type, but mm. it's probably the most standard instrumental stuff. This, I mean, some of the stuff on church is kind of standard-ish, but yeah. this is probably the most standard like stones throwy thing they put out all year. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just, like you said, good listen, or great listen, rather. Um, all, all the heavy hitters on it. Cool to see both DFC and Fatboy Sharif on the same song. Um, yeah, like yeah, well played features. Good bang for your buck kind of deal, you know? Yeah, you have kind of like a loose-ish, funny woods feature, like playing with the sports theme. Uh, mm. You know, Prem playing with themes, too. Like, I won't say it's like, yeah, it's as close to like loose and funny as you're going to get out of the label aside from the Dunce Cap album. So mm. if you haven't checked this, I would say make like the God for him and check it. So, yeah. Oh, Amen. Yeah. Uh, um, also, uh, I think just looking at our list, were we going to cover BRB going to charge my toothbrush? Uh, just because it kind of drops around December. I, I put it on the list and I've completely forgotten everything about it. It, that's um, all good i did listen to it earlier this week um yeah, and it's so put out a beat tape and um i don't remember anything about it unfortunately it was very good i give it an eight out of ten i could just read what i wrote in my review yeah but I really remember anything about it i would say check so, it out similar deal to Seership, where it's a mix of like um you know sound collage experimental stuff and then every now and then there'll be like a quote-unquote traditional beat and then like kind of noisy drone stuff as well which is again i think shows the dialect influence but that's discussion for another time perhaps um and yeah just it's just a consistently interesting listen um you know half an hour goes by pretty quick you've got a, a lucid verse in the middle as well i believe which is really nice um but again just like this dude's production is really really impressive he can do so many interesting styles um and 
maybe because he hasn't been producing as much recently, but definitely needs more to get more credit for that. Like everything else he does. <laughs> so sketch. Oh, yeah. He left nothing for the swim back. In my review, I described this as uh, the Saul Williams self-titled album. If Billy Woods was really pissed off and worked in the service industry. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much, I don't know. It's, I feel like it's almost reductive to just describe. Okay. I want to step back. When, when was your first experience with sketch? Like, on Ippy Hollow on the Arm and Hammer album? I think it was, but then I maybe a year or two ago I, I did somewhat of a dive and listened to Tomorrow Kings, which is on a lot. Um I cut N word uh Rigged Time Machine. And then also um his uh the analog um, the, Yeah, yeah, Analog Tapes music album, which is like fucking <laughs> like well, album. When I heard him on the Armand album, I was just like yep. so this is going to be a weird um, connection to make. He, um, there was this one, I believe, Young Roddy album, I think, where there's this one feature where it just felt like somebody who was like a friend who just came off the street and just spit whatever the fuck. And that's kind right. of the impression out of Sketch. It's like they found somebody off the street who just was spitting their life. And then I found out this dude rapped yeah. for like 10 years. That's the impression you get out of him. I feel like that's a cultivated fucking impression, though. Like, he wants you to think that. Because this is a very intelligent dude who can rap on beat and writes all of his shit. He's not, like, just screaming at him. Like, he's not actually, like, just some fucking drunk asshole. Right. It's very cultivated that he... Like, if you listen to what he's saying, he's very much, I don't want to say scripting and trying to get a reaction out of you, but there's a thing that he says in his band, or that his Bandcamp profile says is that he's not diluting or not trying to, I, I don't remember the way he phrases it about, like, white listeners, but he's very cognizant of how he's going to be received. So. Right. I feel that I don't want to say it's all performance, but he's extremely good at balancing being a rapper with yelling at you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I um. I, I think I, I've, I've like kind of referred to it as it's like um, the songs are both like. Um, rapping and also just ranting, right? And it's like a um, he just switches back between the two of them. Sometimes there's more rapping than there is ranting, and then vice versa. You know, it's like it's just there's like um, I forget what the what track it is where he says today's special is, and then he starts yelling about injustices in America, and like right. there's a talk to it though, and then like. Yeah, and that goes in with his, you know, whole theme about how he is a service worker who's fed up with the shit. But there's also a literary construct to how the track is constructed. Like, so yeah. this is not just yeah. a guy who came in the studio and is screaming at you. But if you don't really know, like hip hop, you would just think, I don't know. Again, like when I'm talking about the Ethiopes themes, I'm doing a really poor job of explaining this, but. <laughs> It's just he's 
because I mean, I just felt again very stupid when I was like, "Oh man, this is just some guy they pulled off the street." And well, the first time I heard it, I'm like, "Oh man, this is just some guy who right. pulled off the it's really compelling that he got this out of him." And then I'm like, "Oh wait, he has a band. Right. This is a musician. <laughs> well, I'm an asshole." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he he he. There's videos of him him doing like battle rap as well. So he was like yeah. ba- doing battle rap in Chicago for quite a while too. So. Yeah. He's yeah, pretty pretty deep in the game. Um, cynical sort of like this isn't little dicky. This is not like some sort of fucking like act. Oh no, yeah, no. And yeah, I think this is also in the same way that Ethiopes is like the greatest, like the culmination of Woods putting together a comment like a literary statement, and that's a pompous ass thing to say, but you know what I mean. Like I feel like yeah. this probably like. Well, in the reti- in the Call of Culture episode I'm referencing, he said this is his retirement album. So I feel like everything mm-hmm. he had to say, he pulled into this album. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Markey was the best sort of producer for that. In the same way that right. Masai was the best producer for Church. In the same way that Preservation was the best sort of producer for the Ethiops. Right. Like, you yeah. have this sort of, like, guitar squeal on the second track, which I misattribute to having a Channel Zero reference, because I got that mixed up with the uh, Alaska album from this year, which, by the way, is an awesome album. If you haven't heard it, Pop Songs of the Apocalypse. Uh, mm. Yeah, you yeah, need I, to get to that one. You really do. It's 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 excellent. Um, mm. I have a split track version I'm not sharing with other people that you need to access that. Because I know it's like an A-B on Bandcamp, but... Um, right. But yeah, uh, I think that um, uh, in terms of the way he structures this, like it's intentionally abrasive. But the more yeah. you listen to it, there's a lot of humanity to it. Yeah. And after the first two tracks, it lets up a lot. Like the third track, the posse cut, reminds me yeah. a lot of something of um, blues New York or Good to Be Home. Right. Like yeah, there's... I mean that—that's like because that's him with dudes who are in Tomorrow Kings. I don't know about Soul Life Five, but um, yeah, and it's it's like them all telling a different story about what it was like to grow up in Chicago. He's you know he's got that line, um, my uncle got shot because that's what happened to uncles back then. You know, like yeah, all that, that yeah. Kind of yeah. I was yeah. actually about to quote that. I was like, that's like the warmest track, but then it also has that line. Yeah, and it also yeah. Has line where it's like the summer's beautiful. Just expect to go to a funeral. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it, struck like it's still like you know, war- it like starts to invite you, but it still braces you, like in that mm-hmm. sort of way. And then it ends with the Western Automatic Music Suite, which has my favorite song of the year in Western Automatic Music Part Two with him and Woods. Yeah, yeah. It's just fucking gut stomping. Yeah, that's like that's the kind of thing where that song's actually very moving, but it's you know you, you've got to get oh, through it yeah, to, to really feel that impact. You've got to, you've got to hear what this man has to say, and then yeah, more of this humanity you know comes across. It's like on the song um, "Up to Speed" when he's like talking about um, here's a something like legends where he talks about um, he, he has something like my my grandfather died while you know his bastard seeds had to handle um, expressing emotion like something to that extent right he has these like very personal on the nose moments as well where it's just like shit man like there's <laughs> there's a lot going on here um, yeah but, he, yeah he, and also I forget which one it is that might also be up to speed where he's like and then uh, uh, you see that or Western on that music part one where he's like then it's back to work 
then it's back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good at it's fucking back fighting Bob back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry, that's what he, he ends up with on Up to Speed is he's, you know, while his bastard seeds with figuring how to navigate through grief, and then he says, my family called me calls me chill. It's like, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, and, like, but you are right. There is, like, kind of him being, like, pr- provocative, and that, that's even going back to the New Age Metal Finger, this, uh, you know, this song, of, uh, sorry, his album of Analog Tap, the Spencer. Um, one of his songs, he's like, <laughs> he says, Biggie and Park's death didn't teach me shit. I knew that bullets killed people. And then you hear, like, people the crowd like like yelling at him and like trying to fight him and he's like no no wait listen to me listen to me and then he like keeps talking so like he is very it's very deliberate that he is quite provocative uh and you know it's some real well, I mean, punch, they, punch they you in your shirt inside stuff they talk about in the call-up culture episode that like they introduce him as the human microphone i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but yeah, he also, also owns that in a way not like the whole like the thing Eric Andre makes fun of when he does that character, like oh I'm saying it. Does that offend you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like I don't yeah. think he's like that. Like um, he uh, has the. I think he's actually subverting that whole thing where he talks about like rappers who glorify the whole thing, like the whole lifestyle, where he's like we would we would have traded that all in for a tire swing, right? You know. Uh, and then the whole the other thing, like, don't, um, whatever, the thing about your idols, don't kill your idols, let them crash on your couch. Yeah, the- yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. That 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 opening track has just so many quotables, like, um, what is it, not enough uh, white girls with Pepsi cans to shield the whole movement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, just, this is just one after the other, just fucking baseball bat to yeah. the face in the best and- sort of way. Like, yep. I can't recommend this enough. It's again, like I feel like you have a an arc that starts with the Dunce Cap album, softly introducing these topics, and then you end with a blowtorch in the sketch album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, and, I really feel like it was just a calculated arc, and I don't mean that in a cynical sort of way. Like I don't right. think anything it does is by accident. Nothing these dudes do, nothing this label does is by accident. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and another thing about this album as well is it's only nine tracks, mm-hmm. and it is so much. Every every track is like has such a presence, you know, like zero wasted oxygen, zero and, wasted motion. And and I really like how like in the last three tracks he just pretty much stops rhyming. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's like there's like I, no traditional rhyme schemes really. There might be one by like coincidence as it goes on, you know. It's like pretty right. pretty amazing. Who else can do that, you know, like. I don't need to adhere to like the conventions of rap music anymore. Fuck y'all. <laughs> no, exactly. Like there's enough rhymes in, in the very first song that it's like, oh, we can tell you can spit like, you know, you go off, man, have at it. Um, what did you think about the fact that like, like you get away sorry. with in black thought and like, <laughs> so and, what, what do you, what do you think? What do, what do you think he is trying to say there? Like, well, I think it it's this? more about the idea that, like, this guy's just, like, he shows up and it's like, oh, he has such weight as a conscious rapper and whatever. But he says also with the thing about the laugh track, too. It's like, don't forget this dude gets a paycheck from Comcast and he's on right. Fallon. Like, don't yeah. forget that this dude is still an employee. I'm an employee, too. I'm a worker. We're yeah, all just yeah. workers. That's what mm. I got out of that. Okay. What did you think about the quote-unquote prim rock feature where it's just literally prim rock talking in the background about mixing drinks? 
<laughs> I um I I thought that was a uh, I thought Primrock forgot to show up like uh, um uh, Snoop Dogg on the Gucci Man the Gooch feature. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I I I did I actually I I didn't know what happened. <laughs> But like, uh, if, if if you listen to the Call Out Culture episode about this album, he he does say that him and Primrock did tend a bar together. They they worked with each other. So I mean, I, guess uh, I, I do know that. I mean, obviously from Primrock's, like you know, he's had mentioned working in a bar. I figured there was something to do with like, and on the wasted ink feature, then I figured there was some kind of connection in that way. So yeah. I figured that's how they knew each other. I've not gotten that far in the episode, unfortunately. So thanks for spoiling oh, okay. us. Oh, but, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you do you, uh, one thing on track on this that I, I kind of like? I, I kind of can't really tell what he's getting at is the river. Like, w- what is the kind of main narrative there? Do you, do you know what he's talking about? Uh, um, I would have to consult a lyric sheet to. Yeah, that's a little little abstract for me for him especially too because he's mm. not somebody who's particularly abstract so yeah. i don't really know what the end point of that is yeah um, i love the beat on it though um right. and track two are the two times i think that marky's really like super uh somewhere else i would say yeah like, a lot of this stuff seems kind of grand although everything on here is way more um i would say avant for lack yeah. of a less just term than everything on sports and leisure like mm-hmm. like you said sports and Le- like we kind of got at like you didn't say like we kind of got at overall collectively sports and leisure is more of a stones throwy type thing this is very much uh noisier than most of the stuff we've talked about like yeah. some of the stuff on ethopes is um i would say a little left field this is the most left field thing we've talked about overall yeah which suits sketches approach it's close yep. to a uh analog with thing i can't really say the name of yeah in terms yeah the, the like f- first track um you know the title track is it sounds like it could be like an old lp beat and then badly drawn hero you know how in radio music this like this the whole thing where people always like anything that's vaguely uh, industrial hip-hop, they'll be like, this sounds like... Oh, it's Dalek. It's Dalek. Or, um, yeah, Dalek. Yeah, but, but, but like, people are going to say that Badly Drawn Hero sounds like a Dev Grip song. On Write Your Music, I mean, like, because of the way the, the beat kind of breaks down and all the, you know, crazy well, obnoxious shit going on. Kinda, I mean, I made the Public Enemy Channel Zero reference, and I, again, I think because it, I got it confused with the track on the Alaska album. I think that he might be making an abstract Channel Zero reference on it because he makes right on America like he's kind of referencing watching TV. This or whatever. is America. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. kind of bomb squatty, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, but overall, yeah, I feel like this is way out of their normal wheelhouse. Mm. Um, as having listened to all of Marky's beat tapes since, I think that this is not what he normally does. Yeah, and also I think the album overall is just like that's um, the perfect length. Like new new age middle finger is amazing, but it's kind of similar to Fantastic Damage, where there is just so much to digest that it does get like it kind of it's pretty exhausting after a while. Where this is like you know nine tracks. 
um, 34 minutes is so um, so precise for, yeah, for this feel, kind of style. I feel like it kind of comes back to, again, I didn't listen to nearly, not clearly not as much as you, the uh, call-out culture episode about the retirement. I feel like if Sketch really did at some point that this was his last will and testament as a rapper, he wanted to make this a succinct statement, as succinct yeah. as somebody like could make it. So, and that's why Western automatic music was what it was. Yeah. Like, I think he's like, this is the last thing I want to say on record. Here's how it's going to sound. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the last thing you're going to hear from me. Fuck off. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, before, you know, what yeah. does sound kind of industrial and avant garde would be taking it back 10 years ago, cult favorite. Yes, yes. Oh, sorry, just before we move there, though, I just want to say two oh. things about Sketch 185. So, um, first of all, yeah, do listen to... My transition, new- will you? <laughs> I thought that <laughs> was a good transition. It was a really good transition. Um, <laughs> but I uh, just want to shout out two things. Listen to, if, to those who are listening, do listen to New Age Middle Finger with Analog Tape Spencer. And they also have another album under a different name called War Church, and it's called Gunship Diplomacy, and that's from 2016. So there's, there's more Sketch material out there than might be apparent as well as the tomorrow king stuff and apparently there's another tomorrow king's album in the works too so look out oh, for that. Sh- okay now i'm excited yeah, yeah. good, good yeah. shit all right so that was worth sorry shitting on. <laughs> but so you know what does sound pretty industrial and cold is the group cult favorite which predates this by about 10 years which you did get mm-hmm. to actually ask member of Arnold yeah. hammer uh, backwards record to lose it about when you saw Arm and Hammer live in Correct. person, yes. which is how we're going to end this episode. Live <laughs> report, yeah, and um, of mm-hmm. so, so uh, it was actually quite a frustrating show, not because of their them, but because the uh, sound was kind of garbage for <laughs> like the first maybe 15 minutes, 15 20 minutes. Um, where it was far too too much bass, and the thing that was really getting on my nerves was that Elucid's mic was too low, and I was like, "Why? Why is this happening to Elucid? Like, people ignore him enough as it is, and now his <laughs> mic is too low." So I was getting like kind of shitty about that, um, and I think part of it is is because like, you know, it's it's a hard job being a sound person, obviously, and I think that like probably the the preset used for hip hop shows um, is doesn't uh, you, you need a different preset for the kind of production that um arm and hammer go over and that includes drumless production as well um so yeah it was pretty like bassy and boomy and it was kind of distracting at first but in terms of their actual performance like they were like amazing um they opened with um well the thing about the performance as well is is that like a lot of it was um more so just them doing solo tracks than songs as Arm and Hammer. So um, they opened with Spelling, or well, Elucid did Spelling, and then um, Woods did the first two tracks from Aethiopes, and then they started to do songs where they're on the same song together. Um, they they did um, Barbarians, which is the one from um, from right. Rome that... that um, uh, was produced by JPEG Mafia, and you know how there was like they had a bit of a slight beef about that. I mean, Lucian had a falling out, but before the track, Wood said peace to um, to uh, shit. What's his, what's his name? JPEG Mafia. Um, so yeah, their set was like really great. They didn't really do anything from like 
I guess prior to that song, it was pretty much all stuff that has come out within the last like two or three years. Oh, sorry, maybe four or five years because there were songs from Black Paraffin as well that they did. Um, they, I'm trying to remember what they closed with. Oh, SpongeBob was amazing live because people were doing the motherfucker you promised as like promised. <laughs> there as, as the callback, um, uh, call and response. God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they, they did an encore. Um, they did uh, Polo Rico as, as the encore, which was like oh, really, really great. Yeah. yeah. And at, at that point in time, people had, yeah, at that point in time, people were kind of like backed off a bit. So I was like way up the front for encore um, for, for Polo Rico. Um, trying to, oh, yeah, they did, they did all sorts of shit. Um, a few things from Haram. Um, and oh, even sorry, they also Elusive did one of the later songs on Save Yourself, which was really cool to hear. One that's got like a really intricate flow, which was like quite nice to hear. And a live setting, even though his microphone wasn't quite loud enough. Um Yeah, but if you do get a chance to see them, they're like pretty amazing live. Um and they're not missing anything. Like, you know, they're, they're getting all their lyrics down and everything like that, and just like a very interesting presence. I um I, I took a friend with me who wasn't really familiar with them and he was like afterwards was like yeah they were like it was kind of like watching these like prophets of the apocalypse like <laughs> live on stage um yeah and Speaking at the end of prophecies sorry yeah <laughs> uh, yeah sorry sorry i should move on but yeah at the end of the show they had a merch table so um i was in line and i had a exchange some brief words um i was wearing my dialect t-shirt as well so um, I went up and I was, you know, shook Alyssa's hand and was like, oh, I've been a fan since cult favorite. <laughs> and then Woods was like, oh, that's taking it back. And I was like, oh, okay. And then um, I was like, I've got to ask, is, is there like more, like cult favorite or more stuff of AM breakups? And he was like, well, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if we've got anything else coming out, but we do have, um, we are doing something for the 10 year anniversary of the Mad Men only. And then like a day or two later, showed up on Bandcamp. So I like to think I gave him that nudge to put it out, but I don't think I did. But um, yeah, just an inter- interesting coincidence. And yeah, Woods was like, oh, and you're wearing a dialect t-shirt. So that was real cool. So obviously they're, they're fans. Um, and yeah, bought some merch. I'm currently wearing my uh, my Haram t-shirt, which is a medium, so it's a bit small on me, but I had to cop something and also got, um, got church on CD with the alternative cover. So yeah, it was sick. Yeah, I'm wearing my... Um as people who listen to the uh, Haram episode, the No Ganja No Moreno t-shirt that got me in so much trouble with the PA post office. Uh, <laughs> the chick who Whoops. wore the face does not actually a face mask, and they didn't understand how the email worked. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I guess we can end this talking about the favorite reissue, uh, Sway Masses. This mm. came out. Yeah, uh, They somehow managed to make a... Uh, really depressing and desolate album sound way more depressing and desolate mm. um it's so although it really doesn't have any really any material from uh for man man only on it like it's mostly yeah. b-side stuff from the uh pre-release material some dub plates i actually like this better than i mean i only listened to it once when it dropped last week and a little bit in pieces since I think I like it better than For Man Man Only, I, but just because, I don't know, it sounds a little more paranoid somehow, which is amazing to me <laughs> that they can mm. make some... I don't know. I need to listen to all their stuff more because I think I underrated it at the time. 
I think mm-hmm. that they had a really short burst of output that I was not particularly appreciative. Like, I'm sorry, not particularly properly appreciative of. Because, right. Yeah, this is really good though. Yeah, I really. Yeah, enjoyed um, when when I saw the track list and I saw that the first track was six and a half minutes, I was like, oh yeah, this this, this is what I've been yeah. waiting for. Um, but yeah, I don't really, uh, so from what I can tell, these, these songs went on anything else where they, they were just kind of in the stash and they've now put them out. Well, I think one, they said one was like a 2023 version. So I think one edit from like that they just, but otherwise I think, yeah, it's just stuff that was like hanging around more or less. Hmm. And then Jeff Markey's got co-production on the closing track as well, so that might be more recent, but I'm not sure. Right. But, yeah, I mean, might be, might not be, considering that, you know, he's been around them since, and I I think that the first Arm & Hammer tape that he worked on was around that time. Right. So, mm. but yeah, I feel like this has the same paranoid, suffocating quality as like uh something like the Dalek for gods and griots mm. uh or i don't know it's very hard to find something comparable to this stuff and honestly and my review does not do their initial release justice either like i don't know what i was on when i said the in- initial instrumentals lack character because they don't but i think this is even better in terms of like as a companion piece at least yeah yeah i think they yeah. take all the really relevant stuff because they release a bunch of stuff to hype it up and i think this compiles it all really nicely into a coherent release right yeah um yeah i think maybe a comparison comparison point as maybe some like of the noisier kind of like Def chucks era lp stuff as well i think there's a, there's a bit of that in some of these instrumentals like um I think Walking Wounded is, it sounds quite like LP inspired. Um, actually, Sinks and I, before they got the band hammer, have been, were working on a list that was like um, songs that like are similar to that kind of LP production style. So there's definitely stuff on here that would fit on that list. But alas, because they've been banned, um, we, uh, I don't know when we'll see that. <laughs> um, yeah, but really, really, really good songs on here. Uh, there is a feature from someone have you heard of who do you know who teddy failure is on track five i don't um i yeah that was the first time i saw his production credit and then i actually got a bit of a chiding from a shout out to friend of the pod one man army on our way mm. because i just left it in the uh track listing when i posted it initially on the database because i was just like uh, lazy i guess with the better roim thing um because he didn't have an roim listing i don't know who that guy oh uh, right Turns, yeah, I don't think he has any other credits. I don't know who that guy is. Yeah, I just looked him up, and he's he's he apparently put on an album in twenty twenty two, which has one review from OG oh. Nick Marsh. Um, well, but his verse yeah. is really really dope. He has a sick, sick verse on on this tab. Nick Marsh, who I believe we have lined up for the uh, Lupe app along with Disney. Oh, awesome! But, yeah. Oh, wicked. Cool. Very exciting. Hopefully. But yeah. I don't. I don't think we're in danger of Lupe putting out an album this year. That's one artist I don't think we're in danger of dropping an album on our head. But who knows? Because he did that one album in like four days last year. <laughs> yeah. So, Much but like yeah, Cap um, did that album in six hours, and I'm sure. It was really- <laughs> uh, oh boy. 
Did you hear the Capadonna album with, uh, was it like, was it called like African Killer Bees or something? And it had I the real ridiculous. It, but we are doing, that's a great transition to shilling the next episodes. We'll be doing with uh, Mars Bars about the Wu-Tang Clan coming soon to a podcast near you. But uh, It's called African Killer Bees, by the way. Yeah, uh, very creative out of our favorite rapper, Capadonna. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. uh, I can't believe that Capadonna did an album in six hours. I'm so terrified to hear. I mean, I heard the first (laughs) track. He rapped very slowly on it. Very (laughs) slowly. Shout out to Capa, man. Shout out out to Capa, the cab driver. Drop you off in the middle of fire. Yeah, Uh, exactly. It's the return of Good Ladders. Because they didn't have ways back then. So you Oh, All right, so we got. Speaking of dropping you off wherever the fuck, we're gonna drop this podcast off wherever the fuck. What is the best track from this backwoods run? Oh Jesus! <laughs> um, well for me, it's Betamax from I Told Bessie. That's my most played one. I'm gonna say Western Automatic Music Part Two or Paraquat. Yep. Also, good calls. Oh, Puerto Rico. Maybe. Puerto Rico is emotionally devastating to the point where I can't listen to it that often. It's probably objectively the best track, but right. I can't listen to it that often. Um, mm. I, I think Paraquat is impressive because he makes sounding exhausted sound so dope. Yeah. And the beat switch. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Anthony Fan. <laughs> yeah, real talk. Um, right. Yeah, so, so I'd say Dynamax. But you've got a whole wealth of things to choose from here, folks. So if you know if you are going through this discography from the past year and a bit, you're in for some for a good time. Well, a, a good you know it's been quite bad lately, but you're gonna have a good time. So it has been quite bad lately. Hopefully, it will get better. <laughs> Spoiler alert: it won't. But it will next time <laughs> when we talk about Ka. Thoughtful yeah. as always, it's been a pleasure. This has been Living Off Borrowed Time. Our intro music is by Yoon Classic and. This guy you might have heard about over the course of the past two hours, Billy Woods, for a time outro. And our outro music, as always, is Stagnated Pace by Can Kick. Peace out, guys. Peace.